Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's Going On Here. Thank you for joining us once again. This is episode 96. And with me, as always, I have my uh, fellow hosts here, starting with the young man looking ever so interested, like he's decrypting some kind of Bitcoin in the corner there. Um, He's an analyst. Uh, I'm sorry, analyst, uh, um, young Mr. Sean Quigley, also known as the Quig in, is it analyst or analyst circles, Sean? I, I forget. It depends who you're speaking to, Okay. Um, uh, uh, frankly. Uh, but uh, uh, oh, I've, I've been completely thrown. You, you made, you, the, all I'm thinking of is bum bums. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't think of any words. Just bum bums. I'm just thinking of bums and the holes within them. That's all I can think of. Thank you. And none of them were nice. I don't know why. <laughs> I infer anything. It's nothing you inferred. I think it's because I'm just looking at you, you two boys. First of all, first of all, before we go on any further, why do you have a library of asses in your head that you're referring to when someone brings up bum bums? And why is it the, the awful ones? Why is it the nice ones? I have a very clear visual memory from years of learning lines. And I have seen a lot of bum bums on the screens of my laptop. And I'm currently looking at the screen of my laptop. So it's like bang, 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 bang. Okay. Well, this is a great this is a great start to the show. Uh, and with us as always, we have uh, the young, the effervescent, the lovely marquee of marketing um, that we call Andrew Albages, but that is also known as AA. In hmm, topiary circles, Andrew, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm very good. I will, after we're done recording tonight, Google topiary and figure out what it means. So next time, I have a witty comment for you. <laughs> nice, excellent, excellent. Uh, okay, folks. Well, for those of you that don't know, what we do on this show is we pick a subject from the pop culture zeitgeist, figure out what's going on and, and discuss it, whether it's a movie or an event or a documentary or any such thing. Uh, we analyze it um, using our expertise in various fields. And we give you a very well-researched and nuanced opinion about what's going on here. However, the big uh, star of the show, if you will, is our drinks. And we mostly do beer, but we have been known to do 
bourbon, wine, cider, things like that. And those are the stars of the show. And this is episode 96. And because we don't have any one concrete subject that we decided to discuss today, we fell back to our catch-all episode, which was fairly popular, which we did last year, called Beer, Beer, and More Beer. So this is episode 96, Beer, Beer, and More Beer, Volume 2. And what this means, because we're all in separate locations, is we each picked two beers that we are going to drink, review for you, and let you guys know so you guys will have six more beers to pick from our menu if you want to try them for yourselves. So without further ado, gentlemen, shall we tell people what kind of beers we have with us today? Um, Andrew, why don't you start up? Yes, why not? Um, I have uh, from a brewery which I drank a beer from before, if I'm remembering correctly, but we've not had this beer. I think I want to say I had that um, strawberry chocolate milkshake stout or whatever I had. Cape May Brewery? No, it was oh, different no, no, than the no, one I... you, guys, you guys had one too, and it was different. But I believe if I'm remembering correct, Mine was from something called Fat Orange Cat. Something like that. That's Massachusetts? A, yes, Fat Orange no, Cat Brewing Company. East Hampton, East Hampton, Connecticut. Well, tonight for my first beer, I'll be having Fat Orange Cat. Baby Kittens. Okay. Baby Kittens. Look at that. Adorable. And it is a 6.5% ABV, hazy New England style IPA. I don't okay. believe they have any IBUs. What the fuck is a New it? England style mean? What does that mean? It means an IPA that was made in the Massachusetts. Style that, yeah, exactly. Originated there. It doesn't mean anything other than it's just from there. It'd be like being like a London style IPA. Are you, I get to like all the styles like with barbecue sauce and they're like, it's Kansas style. It's... It's uh, blah, blah, stuff. I never have any fucking idea what these styles mean. I feel like you guys know. I don't. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll look it up for you right now. It features an intense tropical fruit-centric hop aroma and flavor. So there you go. It's very fruity. But are the hops like actually grown in New England? Uh, you know what? They might be. I don't know. Because I feel like they shouldn't be able to call it like a New England style unless the all of the ingredients are from New England. Like, if they just assemble it in New England, that's like... Well, I mean, you know, American cars are assembled in Mexico. They're not called <laughs> Mexican cars. Wait, I'm trying to... Does that, <laughs> does, that, does that make my point, or does that take away... Who, who wants to go next? Okay. <laughs> Sean, why don't you go next? What do you have for us? I have... A moonlit Grave Oatmeal Black Ale from 33 Brewery okay. in uh, Hamilton, New Jersey. Okay. It's a little Halloween number there. Um, and I picked it up because it was the only single can they had that was <laughs> a local uh, thing, local beer that wasn't like, you know, some god-awful, like, useless thing i've said this before and i think it was the last time we did this but my local bit one of my local the, the one i pass on the way home from work does not have a great selection they have an okay selection of of six packs four packs whatever uh, crates but 
they're like individual pick and mix is like it's every beer that fell out of a pack <laughs> over the past like two years so this has a vaguely halloween theme to it which makes it seem like it's prescient but it's not i'm sure this is from like last year okay so, whatever we'll see okay all right um well my beer is i also have a pint can uh like you boys and this is by surly brewing company out of minneapolis minnesota and this is called pentagram and what this is is a american dark sour ale which is a seven percent sour so it says it is brewed and canned by surly brewing company minneapolis and brooklyn center minnesota the original brewery where it all started i don't know what started there but apparently it all started there uh, it's sour dark and complex like I said, 7% ABV and 20 IBUs for this guy. So let's give the people the sound that they're all longing to hear and it's the opening of the can, shall we? All right, one, two, three. Cheers, gents. Let's see cheers, uh, boys. What, it, what it tastes like. Yep, cheers. Oh, wow. Oh, tastes like New England. <laughs> Did you sample New England on your mouth? Or is that just the name of a stripper you once knew? <laughs> I hope not. That's a terrible stripper name. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I'll say this much. They're not kidding. This is a sour. Holy schmoly. This is like vinegar kind of sour. I was not expecting this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. What the fuck would anyone make that beer taste like vinegar? <laughs> oh. What is wrong with these people? Oh, they said it's dark and complex, and it's just burning. That's all it is right now. I don't know if I'm going to finish this one. Holy schmoly. That is a sour... And it's pentagram, so it's got the, you know, it's pentagram and it's got like Viking runes all over the can. Whew. Should have known. Well, it says it's where it all started, and I have an idea of what it is. I think it's where it's all going to end. Yeah, I think it's where they all pissed in the same bucket. That's because, wow, this is sour. Holy crap. <laughs> like, pickles aren't this sour. Seriously. It's probably very... Um very popular amongst lapsed like alcoholics like people that have have gone back on the can because traditionally real proper alcoholics fuck up all their taste buds and they can't taste shit so uh oh nice i've known a fair few alcoholics that will like drink the craziest stuff and eat you know yeah yeah stuff spice and yeah especially and, like, because usually smoking accompanies it as well so between, yeah. you know, burning your throat out with like tequila and whiskey and whatever else, and then you put the cigarette smoke, yeah, they can't taste the bloody thing after that. That is, yeah, that's, wow. Anyway, all right, gents, it's, it's a catch-all episode. Which subject does anybody want to broach first? Did we, did we explain to the listeners that we're broaching a variety of subjects? 
Well, I mentioned that this is the catch-all episode where we didn't pick anything in particular. Ah, okay. We're just gonna we're we're going to basically address whatever comes to mind that's cer certain currently current, I guess, and uh, talk about that, and then give our opinion on our first set of beers, and then go to the second set of beers. And by the way, I mentioned this before we started. I wanted to pick the sour before so that I could wash the taste out of my mouth. That was a really good call because. Mm. And I have I have three more downstairs. At <laughs> so what I might do is make a salad with it tomorrow or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's that sour. This is like, I know some people enjoy sour and I've been, and I think I even mentioned this story on, uh, on one of the episodes where I went to like a beer tasting event down like by the Bar Barclay Center in Brooklyn. And one of the guys I was with, I had just met him and he was like, oh, I really like like Hefeweizens because they're kind of sour. And I was like, well, I've had Hefeweizens before. They're not very sour. But he said, oh, and he handed me one and it was like this. It was so sour that it, it just felt like someone gave me a pickle to drink. And I was just like, and he was like, I really enjoyed it. What do you think? I was like, that's not my thing at all. I don't like it at all. So, all right, first things first. I guess the most recent one, Spider-Man No Way Home uh, trailer. Did you all see it? Wow. Saw it. Yes. And first impressions. I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I, the, I was excited for the ending. I was excited for, you know, trying to see all the elements of um, the old Spider-Man creep back in because I have a great nostalgia mm -hmm. um, for the um, original trilogy. Uh, even, yes, as uh, our good friend uh, Double Andrew's H. Andrew's pointing, he has a Spider-Man poster behind him, yep. Yep, I, I, I love those movies, even the third one. Like, I like, it. you know, it wasn't as good as the first two, but when you compare it to some other films, it's, it's, it's you know, sure. it's enjoyable. Um and uh, so looking forward to that point of view. The one thing I have to say is I feel like, and I feel mean saying it, I think I'm kind of done with uh, Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And I think the reason is that we had this, it's funny how this happens. They did this with Harry Potter as well, where they, they pick someone who looks really young mm -hmm because they want it to be like, oh, they need to be really young and they're gonna age and we're gonna do a bunch of movies and we want it to be really obvious as they age. And in like Harry Potter, like for some of them that work, sort of unfortunately for the main people, like Harry Potter, Hermione, like they basically just didn't age. They did, and they look like children to me, even as my age, they look like children still. And Tom Holland is the same, like Tom Holland's tiny. He's like five foot six. He's baby-faced, and now he's like whatever age he is, 25, 26, but he still looks like a teenager. Right. And I don't buy that he's grown up in any way. Well, he's and still technically like, playing a teenager, right? Correct. I think this is supposed to pick up where the last movie left off. Correct. I, I just want him to, I don't know. I think I just, I was never a huge fan of high school, Peter. I preferred um, slightly older Peter. I preferred professional Peter, you know working as a photographer and like in, co in college peter yeah yeah later peter i preferred yeah I just, it, it's 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 weird to me because 
Spider-Man actually didn't last, I don't think, that long as a high school student, like in the comic books. It was quite a while. I don't, I don't think so. I think he, I think after like a couple, he was like Empire State University was like almost. No, that wasn't until like the late 60s or the 70s. Well, that's when Spider-Man started. Started in 62. Was the first Absolutely. issue was when he was in Amazing Fantasy 15 was 62. And then the first issue of The Amazing Spider-Man was 63. He was in high school for a long time in the comic books. But compared to like, it's 30 years later. Well, right, 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 right. So in, in the grand scheme, no, yes, you're right. 50 years later, but, but right. so um, I was always surprised that they, even with the Andrew Garfield, where they went, they went so hard back to high school with it, which was kind of like, you know, which was the, in my opinion, the victory for Enter the, uh, Into the Multiverse, the animated Spider-Man that they showed like, you know, a middle-aged, tubby Peter Parker, not very successful anymore, you know, pizza stuck on the ceiling kind of shit. It's like, yeah, let's see what happens after he's been like slapped around by superpowered villains for like 30 years. See how he, you know, does he need a crutch? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, what's going on? I want to see that. Well, the Toby um, ones didn't keep him in high school for long. He graduated no, high school. No, in the second one, in the second one, he was, yeah. Like yeah, an hour into the first movie, he was graduating high school. Yeah, right? yeah. It's because they realized, they were like, we got a 30-year-old still in high school. Yeah. Like, guys, it's like a Van Wilder sort of. They're like, get this fucking yeah. guy out. <laughs> well, I mean, they did it with, what's her name? Gabrielle Carteris, who was the uh, president of the SAG union. She was on the original 90210, and she played, like, the goody two-shoes girl. And when they were all like, maybe like 22, like Jason Priestley, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, um, uh, Luke uh, Perry. Luke Perry, thank you. When they were all like in their early 20s, they even mid 20s, she was like 36. And she looked like the youngest of them all. And it was just kind of like, and I remember looking up, I was like, like, whoa, she's 36, what? She's 36 and, but yeah. Uh, as as for the trailer, I enjoyed the trailer. Of course, Alfred Molina is such a nice little button to end it on, you know, as Doc mm -hmm. Ock. Um, I didn't like, and I'm sure there's going to be an explanation in the movie because obviously it's a trailer, so it's edited. But the fact that, like, Doctor Strange was so flippant with the idea of, like, oh, you want to make it so nobody knows who you are? Yeah, sure, let's do that. Like, Yeah, that was weird. I thought the same thing, like, he, like he's, the trailer makes it out and he's like, sure. And then he starts doing the spell. Yeah. And Peter's like, wait. And he's like, nope, too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, like the whole thing. And, and even no with Wong. That, yeah. Even with Wong warning him, it's like, don't do the spell. It's too dangerous. And he's like, okay, I won't do it. You know, wink, wink. It's like, it's, wait, what? It almost feels like they, someone who's writing the script had uh Iron Man in mind <laughs> as they were writing it. And we're like, oh, I was dead, but I, I still want to make that character. It's like they're trying to turn him into Iron Man because yes. Iron Man's gone. They're like, he was such an important, that cynical, jokey yes. kind of give a fuck guy. And yes. I guess, and to give him hopefully credit, like I'm assuming, I hopefully they're going to elaborate more. And, and he's probably maybe after everything that's happened, you know, Stephen Strange actually just sort of becomes more cynical, more, you know, maybe something happens. Maybe he's like, oh, fuck, you know. Um, 
or perhaps we were yeah, I mean, who knows what who knows what you know what iteration of the multiverse we're in in the right what story. if it's not not even a normal doctor strange it's some right. multiverse version of him or something right. i thought that too um i was gonna say i forgot what i was gonna say I, I had something off of what we were just talking about it'll come back to me okay so <laughs> so i mean like i said overall i thought it was fun you know the little green goblin grenade with uh and willem defoe's laughter and, you know yeah. they confirmed him and they confirmed Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire for it, and they haven't confirmed them yet. It's just rumored still at this point. But I mean, at this point, it's basically obvious. Oh, I thought I thought they confirmed them. No, no, they hadn't. They actually technically hadn't confirmed anyone yet. Jamie Fox basically announced that he was coming back as Electro, and then Sony was like, "Why'd you do that? Hush, hush." And then uh, Alfred Molina did the exact same thing, and then Sony <laughs> yes. was like, "What the fuck?" Kevin um, Feige, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but. The Andrew Garfield and to and Toby is rumored, um, and even Alfred Molina and uh, Jamie Fox were not officially confirmed. I guess Jamie Fox technically isn't still officially confirmed, but Alfred Molina is obviously from the trailer. Right. Um, but I think at this point, it's it's safe to assume they're going to be in it. Mm. They're, apparently, they're pushing hard. Marvel are pushing hard, trying to fight back with the. Uh, or Sony, whoever it is, with the Suicide Squad popularity, and they're, they're Sinister Six, like that's what they're leading up to, which is why they're bringing back all these old baddies. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's been in talks for a long time, the Sinister Six. Yeah. As long as Paul Giamatti isn't like a Russian dude in a freaking mechanized suit, I, I'm okay with it. But I feel like the Sinister Six were never like the Suicide Squad. They didn't have their own thing where they were like the leader. They were always just bad guys that teamed up and Spider-Man had, uh, Spider 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 had to, Spider-Man had to fight against them. I was gonna yeah, say Spider-Man yeah, yeah. Spider had to fight against them. Ooh, that's, like, that's, a new, that's a new comic book here right there, Spider-Man. He's just very spiteful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I think for this trailer, um, like uh, pretty much everything you guys said, it, the little the little teasers for you know uh, Green Goblin and Doc Ock were pretty cool. And I saw something online where you know somebody was like, "Oh, this one scene shows a lightning bolt, so that's their tease of Electro." And then there's another thing yeah. where in the background there's like sand or something. Sam, so I saw I saw that thing too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was one. Oh, I think they think Lizard from the first Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield is going to be in it too. Um, so that's cool. And like, if I think it for nostalgia's sake and for spectacle and everything else, it'll be super fun and cool. If like Toby and Andrew are in this movie and it's this whole spider verse thing and everything, but at the same time, I feel like it sort of diminishes the arc and the story that the Spider-Man, this Spider-Man, the MCU, uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man gets to have, because now it's gotta be like this whole movie with all this other thing all these other things and all this stuff going on just to appease fans and do something cool as opposed to just letting him have his own trilogy of movies and you've got which is strange you've got apparently keaton's coming back as well as the vulture which he's the most he's the most makes the most sense for him to come back anyway because he's already in the story right, right. you know um but he, what's weird is he's going to be breaking all sorts of weird barriers and that he's going to be appearing in this multiverse movie and then he's going to be 
Batman in the DC's yeah. multiverse thing. <laughs> it's like yeah. dual multiverse. Yeah, it's like yeah. fucking crazy. But I think he's probably going to end the leader. I think I feel like I read somewhere that I think someone leaked a spec script or something like maybe a year ago that the Vulture that he was sort of going to end up leading the Sinister Six or like getting them to sort of like be the mastermind behind everything. Do we think it's going to be Sinister Six in this movie of all these villains? I mean, probably, right? Yeah, no, if, if they're packing right. that many villains, I would have to think so. I think How many do we, do we have? Do we know? So if it's Goblin, Doc Ock, Electro, let's assume Sandman and uh, Lizard, and then Vulture, Vulture. right? Was there anyone else that was rumored was supposed to be in there? Rhino. No. <laughs> do oh, but what about um, Mysterio? I mean, I know he like... He's dead. Died. Yeah, right. but do we think he really died? Yeah. My, Jake Gyllenhaal probably was like, I'm not doing another one of these. So. Well, that's what I was going to say. Speaking of that, I, I'm wondering if Holland, because he didn't sign up, and I don't know if that was by choice or whether it was like a Sony Marvel thing, for the what if um, cartoons. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if he had the whatever, at this point it's, what's it, his fifth movie? Six yeah, if you count. Three, four, five, yeah, six if you count. Because if you Civil do War, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, and then three. Three of his, six. So I think that's like his contract. Probably. It was originally for six movies. I think I think after and after this uh, No Way Home, Marvel and Sony's deal is pretty much off or is over. But he's but he, he's still he's still a Sony boy because he's going off to do the Uncharted franchise, which yes, is obviously and, Sony because it's PlayStation. Well, and Sony still owns the film rights to the whole Spider-Man IP, so that's why they're making the Venom movies and this uh, Morbius movie with Jared Leto, and I think they're supposed to make I forget who one other. Um, Blade. No, Blade's Blade's MCU, I think. But there's one other. There's one it, other Spider-Man. So there's one other Spider-Man villain who's getting his own movie. Um, Craven the Hunter, maybe. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes, I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so the I, the the thinking is what they're doing here is they're doing this last movie with Marvel, where Tom Holland is still part of the MCU and gets to play with Doctor Strange and all of that but they open the multiverse so they can basically say, oh, you know, the Tom Hardy Venom movie that happened, that was in a different multiverse and pluck Tom Holland out and oh, he's in this multiverse now with all right. the Spider-Man villains. Right, right, right. But who knows, who knows? Um, I don't know, I, it looks cool. I like, I like Tom Holland in the role. Toby is still, I've got, you know, like I said, love for him. I'd love to see him come back. I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal would have been a really good Spider-Man, ironically enough. Like wasn't he? Wise. Wasn't he originally supposed to play him, and then he got hurt or something? No, 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 no. It was Tobey Maguire got hurt after Spider-Man One, and then they thought he wasn't going to be able to come back for two, and they were going to. They were in talks with Jake Gyllenhaal, something like he that. Would, he would have been really good. Like, I feel like he's really made for it. He's a, he's a. I like. Yeah, I really rate him. He would have been good. He, he's he's a. So I, I mean, I. To, to pull the teaser to a close, I'll, I'll give the trailer four stars out of five. Because, like I said, the one thing that bothers me is that whole, like, flippant Doctor Strange thing. Because that's like, that seems so out of character. 
Because, you know, when, yeah. Infinity, when Infinity War came along and all that, he was so, like, just like, no, we can't screw around with this. You know, and then what did he look through? One million, seven hundred thousand, whatever it was, how many futures? And that's the only reason why I'm giving him the time stone. You know, so for him to then turn around and be like, ah, yeah, fuck it, let's do it again. Yeah. It's kind of like, what? So I give that a four out of five. Cool to see Alfred Molina, though. I hope they they definitely like de-aged him, you know, like they did the CGI de-aging. I hope they do it. It looked pretty good, but it wasn't quite there. I feel like I think but, they did. I feel like they just gave him a wig. No, no, I'm sure they did. I, I, I bet you they did. Something I looked heard, unnatural. I, I Something looked un- when he first um, when he first like leaked it in that interview on his own. He said that that's what they were doing with him. Um, oh, cool! It, it definitely looked normal. It, it definitely looks unnatural, like something about it. Yeah. The way when they introduced uh, 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 Patrick Stewart at the end of uh, Origins Wolverine. Yeah. It was up with the helicopter, and it was just like it looked like someone pulled a latex balloon over his face, kind of thing. That that's yeah. what yeah. that looked. But like. they have gotten a lot better with that technology. So I bet yes. you, it's, I bet you, by the time the movie actually comes out, they'll have it touched up more. It was probably oh, for not sure. quite done because of the. And trailer. it works. I feel like when you're like a mutant baddie superhero, like whatever, like that's the perfect person to do that stuff with because he's already otherworldly. It's, it's when it gets weird is when like you know Star Wars does like. Talking or like people who are like normal, and you're like, or the Irishman, look right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except well, this can be the last thing I say. Sorry, guys. You know I'm a huge Spider-Man nerd, so I'm going to ramble on on this. Um, Doc Ock, well, and the Green Goblin, both die in the Toby movies. So we'll know how they're going to explain that. Technically, Doc Ock never dies. We don't know it. It's. it's I mean, he, no, no, you no, see no, him no. drown. You see like bubbles come up. You we don't see him drown. He just pulls the thing in the water in the East River. Yeah, but then you see him like. You see his body basically like float through the water, like under. Was it him, or was yeah, it just a henchman? And he also he also is basically kind of like redeems himself at the end. Remember? Right. But it's a right. it's a multiverse. It's the point of the multiverse is that it's so it's not places. necessarily so it can that's be exact one. In, right. in his multiverse, instead of drowning, he mm. suddenly went through a fucking portal and ended up here. <laughs> like, or, or, or it's going to be something like, this is Andrew Garfield's Doc Ock and Green Goblin, and Electro and whoever, and Lizard is Tobey Maguire's from his, you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but they hit them at different timelines or something, and right. the circumstances like, were different. Yeah, I like right. the idea that I'm looking forward to almost like the Matrix style, like, you know, when he goes in the Matrix and has to like upload information to learn how to do something. <laughs> I'm hoping that the the reason the Spider-Men come back is because the baddies make their way and then Doctor Strange is like, they're like, we should get some guys who fought him before. And then they bring him in almost like guidance counselors. They're like, hey, you fought this guy. And he's like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I feel like that'd be really cool. <laughs> like, just using them as like... You know what? I, I, wouldn't if, I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what they do. I really wouldn't. All right. So, Spider-Man, so since we're, we're in our nerd zone right now, let's go. Do we want to talk Suicide Squad or Black Widow? One of you guys saw Black Widow and the other saw Suicide Squad. 
Yeah. So how much do we want to talk about either? Um, what? Well, okay. Well, I'm fine. No details. I'm no fine details. With, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with talking about Black Widow. Like, I know she's dead in Avengers, and from what I've gathered, <laughs> from what I've gathered of reviews, this is not rewriting any history no. as far as that goes. So I'm that it's not going to be any spoilers there. And um, uh, and Suicide Squad, I think, is pretty easy for us to talk about without spoiling anything, revealing anything. No, no, for sure. No details. Um, I'll start with Black Widow because I saw it first. I actually found Black Widow to be very entertaining. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought the story was good. I thought the action sequences were great. I thought the characters were really good. Um, and I guess that's, and I mean, I, I guess I'm going to come back to this because I had no expectations from it, so I really enjoyed it. Whereas Suicide Squad, I saw so much hype about it that when I left, I was just kind of like, eh, it was okay. Like I wasn't, you know, I mean, it was better than the first Suicide Squad. Without a doubt, the first Suicide Squad was just completely disjointed. It just, like, there was no really follow-through story or anything. Um, although I have complaints about the story with the new Suicide Squad. But it was okay. I didn't, if, if I had to pick between the two, I'm picking Black Widow or Suicide Squad in terms of which one was better. Wow. Yeah. Well, I saw Black Widow. I didn't see Suicide Squad yet. Hopefully seeing it soon. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of similar to you, Tomo, in that I went in with pretty little expectations and I found myself uh, really entertained and I really enjoyed it. I liked, I thought Scarlett Johansson did a great job and I liked all the supporting yep, cast absolutely, and the, the yep. characters. I thought they really did a, a really, at least, you know, uh, David Harbour and, and, the ones at, at Florence Pugh and um, Rachel uh, Rachel Weiss. Uh, I loved. I thought they all were great. It's like they were great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Whatever. Um, so, like I said, I had a really good time. I enjoyed it. And then, about twelve hours after I saw it, I was kind of like, I don't really remember anything other than like it checked all the Marvel boxes and whatever. So, yeah, like, no, no, no. ultimately, it was like, oh, it was fun, but like. Yeah, it wasn't actually. It wasn't anything that special. It, well, say, you know what? I was going to say, just to interject on that point, it was if it was a TV series, it mm -hmm. would a great like season finale slash first episode of a new season. You know, with a cliffhanger. I thought it would have been a good like two episode. Yeah. Arc. Yeah, I definitely thought that. Um, I thought it was cool for Scarlett Johansson to have her own movie, and I, you know, I think she's great in that role. And has earned that as a character and it's you know it would have been it would have been cool to have gotten this movie in like the actual time in the timeline not yeah. really knowing what comes next so that it yes. has a little more weight and stakes to it yes. um but i also thought as far as like female-led superhero movies go um it was no it wasn't nearly as good as like the first wonder woman but it was definitely in my opinion a lot better than captain marvel and I felt like oh, they way way better than Captain Marvel. Where because Captain Marvel just bothered me because I felt they tried way too hard. Whereas what about Captain Halle Marvel, Catwoman? what's that? I said, what about Halle Berry's Catwoman? I haven't seen that in years. Oh <laughs> God, to... yeah. <laughs> that I, I was that 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 is the gold standard of I was gonna say, superhero. Electra. Oh, what a I enjoyed Electra. I never saw Electra. I With Jennifer Garner, I enjoyed Electra. 
I thought it was actually not bad. But anyways, I thought as far as like a female-led superhero film and being, you know, um, you know, showing off and empowering strong women, this did a really good job of it without trying to do it or making it seem without like it being contrived. To... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yes, it didn't feel contrived at all. It's just like Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is a badass, and yeah, yeah, Florence this is who Pugh's they character is bad, yeah. and like it was just fun and it was cool. But like I said, I, at the end of the day, it was kind of like oh, it checked all the marvel boxes for like the movies that get you between from avengers movie to avengers movie without doing anything too special so yeah yeah, yeah i i'd like i said i I, I enjoyed it i would pick it over a suicide squad as a wow. choice to watch again like if i had to like says like watch one of these two which one you're gonna watch i'd watch black widow because in fact at a, at a certain point in the movie suicide squad like my buddy was texting me and I was texting him back. Like I said, I was alone in a the theater and I was just like, oh, I'm not missing anything here. You know, it was just like kind of like that thing. And I was just like, ah, okay, you know, but so it didn't, it didn't capture my attention the whole way like Black Widow did. Sean? Any um, I'm, not, I'm actually really looking forward to it. And I, I, it's, it's such a shame that it fell in the way it did. It's the first Marvel movie where A, is the pandemic, and B, it's on Disney, but you have to pay extra for. Because I, I, really, I really want to watch it. Um, I, I really like um, Scott Hansen. I like her character. I really like Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, David Harbour. They're like, if I could cast it myself, I'd have almost probably cast those people mm -hmm. before that it was announced. Like, when I, I was like, oh, such great casting, like great, great people. It is, um, and their chemistry was fantastic. Oh, so good, those people, and like, I'm so happy for David Harbour. Like, it's such a, such like, I'm, you know, whatever. Like, he's been a working actress all life, but right, he's taking off, and I love it. Like, you know, for a guy in his, I seem late forties, it's so funny to watch him blow up at a time where you've got a Florence Pugh equally blowing up, and who's, you know, so much younger than him. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's a shame that it's got messy with the whole release thing and Scott Johansson suing Disney. And that's that's what I wanted to t touch on next, <sighs> yeah. actually, because I don't know what their contract said, what she said. But if what she said is right, that they were supposed to have the movie in release first and then put it on Disney Plus, then they screwed up. You know, even I think, just yeah. four weeks, they screwed up because they told her A, and then they were like, no, we're releasing them at the same time. And did, did I, they say that the, the contract specified anything about Disney, about the Disney release or anything? Or was it was it just that her contract was to include a percentage of the box office? And then what Disney did was release yeah. it on both and went, hey, we're making all this money from people spending, what is it, $20, $30 to buy it on Disney Plus. Right. That's not, that those $20, $30 that you're spending to get it on Disney Plus, that's not a box office. So we're keeping all of that. And then the lower box office, because it's not doing as much, that you still well, get your cut of that because your contract said box office. So that's all you get. I, I think I think what, what her lawyers are saying is that they said that they would not release the two simultaneously. Hmm. And if that's the case, honestly, I, I don't see, 
you know, uh, um, that they have like anything to say besides, no, you need to compensate her because you said it was going to get released like a month later on Disney plus right when she did it, they were talking to what's her name. Uh, 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 Emma, Emma, uh, that was in in the the uh, Cruella de Vil. Emma Stone, yeah, Emma Stone, and she, so like she was quote unquote closely monitoring, and they even said that that uh, Emily Blunt and The Rock were kind of like looking at it to see what it was, but judging from all the like press stuff that The Rock did with Emily Blunt for Jungle Cruise, I think they just agreed that yeah, we're going to release both at the same time because technically we're a family movie. And we just want, if people want to feel safe, they can watch it at home. If people want to go to the theater, they can go see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. But I think if if Scarlett Johansson is right, and the fact is that her contract said that, that then, then she's in the right. But the curious thing that, you know, the press rightfully points out is none of the quote-unquote Avengers have said anything to come to her support. Well, supposedly, I saw something today. Elizabeth Olsen said good to yeah. her. Yeah, that's that's, that. that's that's pretty recent news. But yeah, nobody else has said anything. No one else. Um, well, because, because she's because, good. She's really good friends with Evans. Yeah, but Evans. The last time, the last time Evans did a Marvel movie was Endgame when it was the highest box office of all time, and he got a cut of that. So I think I think that there's probably a very good chance that some that if this movie had come out during normal times and Disney released it on Disney plus or something, and it made significantly more money than it made right now, she wouldn't have said anything because I'm wondering if a big part of this is like, I mean, she worked on this movie for how long when kept even when captain Marvel came out, it made a billion dollars at the box office. So if you get a cut of what it makes at the box office and you're thinking to yourself, well, hey, when Captain Marvel came out, it made a billion dollars. I've been with this crew for longer than her. I'm not some new person. People have been dying to see my movie. Right. It's got to it's gotta come close to making a billion dollars. But then it comes out now in this pandemic world. I think I saw it made. I could have the number wrong. I, I lo- looked it up earlier today, but I want to say it was somewhere so far it's been like. 340 50 million something like that i don't know if i can see if i can look it up but like oh, yeah. 300 million or or something compared to a billion is like it's quite a bit less so um i don't know all that's just to say that like either way regardless of whatever the contract was scarlett johansson didn't get the payday i'm sure she was expecting from this well I mean, it's, she, it's, she's it made on... worldwide. It made three hundred and seventy million. Three hundred and seventy. Okay. Uh, domestic one eighty, and uh, international is one ninety. Now, the thing to remember, of course, with all these numbers, is the producers get half that money because it's split. Half goes to the viewing houses, and half goes. So you know, every time a movie theater, like a movie chain, Regal, whatever they keep half the ticket money for themselves. And then the other half goes to the, you know, uh, Marvel, Warner Brothers, whoever's making the movies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're talking, when you're just mentioning numbers, that's that's there. But I mean, I think she's right. If it wasn't for the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's, when you, I was just looking up, she apparently 
she her guaranteed pay they estimate what what i i read a first 15 Mm -hmm. and then she was estimated at the end of it to make 20 but like a guaranteed but her base level was like 15 before anything and then she ended up getting about 20 from it yeah because what the sorry it's like i was just gonna say when you because i looked it up robert downey jr in the last avengers movie which is an ensemble movie Right. Made seventy-five million dollars for that one yes. movie. Right. What was that? His base, or was that after the fact? I'm not sure, but that's what he made. Over so for, um, he signed a deal for fifty million. I remember for a one yes, point fifty. Yeah. I remember. So 50. for a lot of these, what they do, and we should clarify this for anyone listening, what they'll do. A lot of actors, most actors in movies, are paid X amount to do a movie. Period. That's it. Right. We're going to give you a million dollars to star in this movie. You say yes, good. If the movie makes no money, you still got your million. If it makes more, you still only get your million. With a lot of the bigger blockbusters, with a big star like a Robert Downey Jr., what they will do is they'll be given you get X amount, which is maybe a little bit lower than what somebody else is going to get. But on top of X, you get. 10% of the box office. And yes. if it's going to be a successful movie. Yeah. Your, your X amount plus 10% is right. significantly more than what anyone sure. else would get. And Scarlett awesome. Johansson was in. So I think Robert Downey Jr. was always pretty much in that position with the Avengers movies. I don't know if all the other guys were like Chris Evans, I think maybe him too, but he might've just been like a flat fee one as well. But so Scarlett was in a position with this being like her solo movie Horror and everything. Movie that she was tied in for that. So it was that, like you said, Sean, that, that 15 million or whatever was kind of the flat fee. I think, I and think then she was supposed to get yeah. whatever the percentages of box office on top of that. I think by the end, they were all making 15 to 20 mil per Avengers movie, right. with the exception of Danny Jr., who was making that. I, I tried to look it up and it seems to be like Chris Evans was making 15 mil per Avengers movie. Yeah. yeah. And so was Hemsworth. Um, I think Downey Jr. I was looking it up. Like it was mad. Like I thought it was correct. Scarlett Johansson's first movie, she made four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, which which sounds crazy. Like look. her first Marvel yeah. movie or her first yeah. movie. Her first yeah. movie is Black Widow. Oh, so um, okay, yeah, yeah. But but then <laughs> which I think was actually Iron Man two, not yeah. Avengers. She made four hundred thousand, but she was already a huge name. Chris right. Hemsworth, who was nobody when he made it. Four one, he made one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yes, he made <laughs> he made the SAG minimum. Yeah, SAG minimum. Crazy. His first, it's it was probably his first big Hollywood lead. That's you make that. Oh, it was yeah, oh. yeah. That's, that's nice. mad. What do you think about yeah. it? Like Anthony Hopkins was probably made probably made like five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So slight tangent, but on this topic, I just saw, and I don't know if it's for the two sequels that are coming out or just the first of two. Daniel Craig, the Knives Out, they're making two Knives Out sequels. So again, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is just for the first one or if this is both of them combined. Either way, guess how much he's getting paid? $100 million. Jesus. He's got a good agent, huh? Well, that's, you missed a little finger in your mouth. That's fucking wild, <laughs> isn't it? A hundred million for one or two movies? I think it's for the... It's got to be two. for both. It's probably maybe. for the two. Probably yeah. for the and two, right? Surely... But, Surely Knives Out, you can, box office-wise, doesn't stand anywhere near an Avengers movie. That's what I'm saying. Like, I love, no, I... You know what, though? You know I what, though? Knives Out. Like, I'm not, it might I'm not be... dinging it at all, but there's no way it makes... 
as it much money be, as it, it, I was going to say it might be like because it all started popularly I believe I'm sure some actors had an agent that was clever or whatever but it all started with Tom Hanks when he did Forrest Gump and he did uh Toy Story they they didn't think either of those were going to make a lot of money and so the money that he commanded Tom Hanks at that point because he was just coming off of um Philadelphia that he won an Oscar for and so the money that he was commanding he was basically in your Tom Cruise and I believe at the time Julia Roberts range which was mm. you you walk onto a set you're making 20 million dollars just f off that that's what we're making and I think because they were going to meet the budgets but he liked the scripts and he said tell you what you could give me SAG minimum and SAG minimum means like how many times you know they they put all these uh, uh limiters in there if you will like how many times have you been a lead in in a union movie you know how much money did it make all that other stuff and i think his minimum was like i don't know half a mil something like that or a mil but then on the tail end of it they were like all right any merchandise and any ticket sales you'll make money off of that so he basically for his salary he took the minimum and then you know forrest gump just became a phenomenon and then Toy Story, boom, Pixar, all of a sudden, is the biggest studio on the planet. And he's just, you know, he, he there's not rooms big enough for all the money he's making kind of stuff. I think that's when a lot of these actors started doing that. So, okay, you know what? I'll do this movie for $2 million, but on the back end of it, I want I want the money. I think the, fir I, the first one I remember, Star Wars was the first movie I remember that paid basically all their actors that way. Because... Or at least they I should say it was Alec Guinness and Harrison Ford. They specifically, though, they were the two biggest like people that he was trying to get. Where and Harrison like, Ford at the time still wasn't quite a household name. Wasn't, wasn't that big, something with Lucas himself, where he didn't take a certain cut, but he said, "I get all of the, all of the he, merchandising money or something." He, and that's he got yeah. Well, he took a big pay cut, and he said, "You know what?" I will take, and it was like 20, 30% of the toy revenue. Because he had like a vision. He was like, this is what's going to. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's what fucking. That's what, yeah, made, that's what made him money. a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, well, they talked about that recently. Um, so, anyway, I, I mean, just to kind of close up this whole uh, uh, um, Scarlett Johansson thing. If she's correct and they did say that then i think they should just pay her and shut up if she's just like angling for more cash well i guess the burden of proof is on her isn't it i would say i would say that at the end of the day it's not quite regardless of what however whatever loophole disney can find let's assume they they figure it out and they end up winning the case it's not totally fair because she signed up to do this movie for a theaters and for a theater audience, you know, not for it to go to streaming, which is which is a larger conversation. And I don't know what you guys think, but I'm I'm certainly not a huge fan of the um, like what HBO Max and Warner Brothers have done, where it's on HBO Max and in theaters the same day. I'm you know we've talked about this many times on this podcast, so you guys know, and any listeners who listen regularly would know. But the movie theater is like sacred to me, so like that's an important experience. So I don't I don't love at all that you know a big film like this can be in theaters, but you can also just watch it at home on the same day. So that's my tangent. 
I, I, well, you know what? I mean, when you think about it, from the time that I was a kid, if something went straight to video, it was shit. Right. Like, <laughs> it was like the B of the B movies. And times have changed. Now it goes straight to video, and they're making tons of money. I mean, look at Netflix. They're freaking printing their own money. Like, I, I saw a chart the other day of, like, how much money they were making year after year. And it's literally a freaking just a tangent slope that now is, like, I think, like, last year they made $7 billion. Well, that's that's who's paying Daniel Craig's $100 million salary. Netflix, uh, Netflix bought the rights to the two sequels for that. And that's probably why he's getting paid so much. They, like, outbid everyone. I forget what well, the number was. It was ridiculous how much well, they spent to get those movies. Well, I mean... And this, this is the one that kills me with the whole Disney thing, right? You got the Disney Plus, which is super popular. Wisely, you guys went out, you bought Fox, so you got all the Star Wars. You got, you know, the X-Men movie franchises. You got Marvel. You got all of that. You basically got the entire nerddom of the last, like, 60 years, literally. And now you start this Disney Plus, and you charge, what is it, $8, $11 a month? Yeah, something like that. Right? In that range, so let's say 10 even. They have 162 million subscribers, which means they make $1.6 billion a month without doing dick. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, $1.6 billion a month without doing dick. So they make, what is it? Uh, 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 uh. $18 $18 billion, $19 billion just on Disney Plus a year. Yeah. And they're going to bitch about giving Scarlett Johansson another 20 mil? Get the fuck out of here. You know, honestly, like when it comes down to it, it's like, just give her the fucking just fuck off. Give her the money. She's been with you guys from day one. She's been there with Downey Jr. in Iron Man 2. And I mean, you paid him the kind of money you did because he was kind of the linchpin of this whole thing, right? She's been there from since the second movie, and she she was instantly one of the most popular characters. And you could argue that at the time Downey Jr. came into Iron Man, he was a faded star. <laughs> Absolutely, Scarlett Johansson was an Oscar-winning actress. Like, well, I mean, what's his face was paid more than Downey Jr. Uh, in the first Iron Man. Oh, uh, Bridges. Oh, Bridges. Right? Yeah. Jeff Bridges? No, 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 not Jeff. Well, Jeff Bridges probably too. No, um, what's his face? Who was Rhodey? Oh, um, Terrence Howard, right? Terrence Howard. Like Downey Jr. got paid three hundred grand for the first Iron Man, which again was probably like a SAG minimum, and he only got the role because uh, Favreau just for him. was like. I don't want anybody else. I want him. I want him. I want him. So he got the SAG minimum. And Terrence Howard, I think, got like $4 million for that movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Or or, or two. Something like that. He got into millions. And then to do the next one, he was due like eight. Yeah, that's why they didn't bring him back, right? Fuck him. We're going to recast him. And, you know, and he was like, why didn't Downey Jr. stand up for me? He was like, bro, because he's going from 300 to maybe like 2 million. He's, he's not arguing on your behalf. He's not going to defend you getting more money than him again. Right. It's a shame. I like, I like Terrence Howard. And I, I thought he was fantastic. I think he's I so too. much better in that role. Like, I, I do, do too. I do too. And I, I do always too. thought that. I agree. I mean, 
Look, uh, uh, I, I love Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. I think but Don I, Cheadle's I think magnificent. I think his, chemistry, his chemistry with Downey Jr. is really great. But, you know, honestly, when you look at Downey Jr., because he's, he's really just a fantastic actor, his chemistry with everybody is just really good. Like, I haven't seen a movie where I'm like, this feels forced. But him and Terrence Howard in that first Iron Man, I think, still had even better chemistry. Than yes, him and, I agree. Him and, I agree. Um, I you know, they, it's just, he was great as that part, I thought. And he, you never really got to see him expand it, but. No. It it's, been, it, who knows what it would have been. Yeah. They should do a what if on that. Right? Hey, they got the multiverse now. They can bring him back. This is true. Do a what if when bring Terrence Howard back. Man, How he- does the multiverse address not different you know, different franchises or different universes of characters, but when within the same franchise and the same universe you recast. Does the multiverse address Edward Norton and Mark Ruffalo collectively, or does that just become too wildly convoluted? It's probably going to just be scrolls. How does that work? Because they just took on the wrong form. They saw some random dude. I said, oh, this is Bruce Banner. No, it's not. This is Bruce Banner. So the whole series with Bruce Banner was actually a scroll? I don't know. You're asking me, it's a multiverse, man. Anything can happen. But, and that could, I guess it could work. I just, I don't think that's quite, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and I'm glad we talked about this with the whole Scarlett Johansson thing. And I want to touch now on the whole, um, which is kind of related, that John Boyega did this past was it this summer that he did it earlier this year when he started talking about screening about like how Disney didn't know what the hell to do with him? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, to be fair, I understand what his point is, especially with all the, you know, uh, uh, sociopolitical awakening happening and all of that, you know, about representation, all that stuff. I get that. But when you looked at star Wars, they didn't know what the fuck to do with any of the characters. They didn't know what to do with not even just the characters, just any of it. They, it was right. a fucking, it was just a disaster. It was a disaster so like, because... Yes, they didn't know what to do with because, his character, like, but it I wasn't. I mean, the way, in the first one, The Force Awakens, the way they advertised him, you thought he was going to be the next big Jedi. Well, that was sort of like a, 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 a bait and switch, right? Like they led you to believe like he would be. And then at the end of, end of the movie, they're like, surprise, it's the girl that's the Jedi. Well, I, yeah, but I mean, so that's the way they advertise that. What's her face? Uh, Gwendolyn Christie. She was advertised like she was going to be the next like Governor Tarkin or or the next Darth Vader. And yeah. she, in, in the trilogy, all of like 10 minutes. And you never saw her face either, right? Never. She was always under that. All, all of the characters, um... Oscar Isaac, here's like an actor of his generation, and he was like the most useless fucking character. You want to talk about they didn't have, they didn't know what to do. They didn't have a fucking clue what to do with Oscar Isaac's character. Like he was, he was, was he Han Solo y? Was he like nice, charming guy? Was he like the rebel? They didn't have a fucking clue. And And then, of course, like, like him and Finn were like, both kind of the same character ultimately like they didn't know what to do they were both like a little like funny but like also like a little you know brutish there is yeah yeah, yeah. they didn't have well, a clue i i we talked about this when we talked about the last movie the way they um 
tease the whole, oh, there's going to be a gay thing. Like, oh, there's going to be a gay, Disney's going to do a gay thing. And I remember thinking, like, as the movie went along, I was like, so when are Finn and, 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 and Poe going to turn around and start making out? What's going on here? Because the way they were doing it, it was almost like a married couple. And then at the end, it was that fiasco with just like two ladies in the background kissing. And it was just like, was that? Out of, out of focus. Out of focus, yeah. It was just like, was that what we were talking? This is like the big reveal that we were talking about? So, you know, to John Boyega, like I want to say, like, I, I understand. But like with these movies, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing at all. They really I, didn't. They made such a shit show. I, can you imagine, considering what he did with Mandalorian... Can you imagine if they just gave, because they could well have done, they just gave the sequel trilogy to Favreau. Favreau. Like, what a different narrative we would be in right now. Oh, yeah. If he'd have done that whole trilogy, how good that would have been. Even if they gave it to one person in general, I think the idea of we're going to have a different director and different writers for each and let them do whatever they want with each one and kind of the passing of the baton or whatever the fuck they called it. It was yep. just a disaster of an idea because that's just no way to make a trilogy, especially when, and I like Ryan Johnson a lot, but especially when you get Ryan Johnson to do your second one and he has to go out of his way to be different and not, he literally just shit all over what JJ did. Everything. And was like, Everything. we're going to make something new, which I think, if, and we've talked about this before, but if someone came in and did the third movie and kind of leaned into everything he did in the second, maybe they could have salvaged it. But the maybe. fact that they went from, JJ to Ryan Johnson ripping it apart to JJ trying desperately to reassemble it. It's a fucking disaster. It was, it was, the whole thing was a disaster. And quite frankly, I don't understand. And I know, Sean, you brought it up like a few episodes ago that the reason why they picked JJ, because he was coming off the back of the first Star Trek. And they're like, oh, sci fi, let's get this guy. He knows what he's talking about, sci fi. And I'm like, so Force Awakens came out in 2015. Iron Man came out in 2008. Was that not sci-fi? Am I missing something? Why didn't you put Favreau there? Like he had already done like one, two. He basically ignited this whole universe for you. Why I wonder you- if he was ever in the talks or in any sort of consideration for it. I don't know. I know he wanted to do... He wanted to do, uh, um, there's a writer, I don't know if you guys have ever read the books, uh, Terry, Terry Brooks. And he wrote this whole Shannara world, world of Shannara, which is like a post-apocalyptic world. And uh, there's humans and elves and, and it all happens after like a giant nuclear fallout and whatever. And it's a really very, very in the, in the sci-fi fantasy book world, it's a very popular series of books and he tried to have that show done on, like on MTV. And he had, what's his name? Uh, I forget his, I think he was a Maori actor. He was in Spartacus and he was, uh, he played Deathstroke on, in the Arrowverse, I believe. I forget the actor's name. Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, Australian guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't think of his name either. But, it, it, it was a terrible job of adapting those books to like MTV. Like it, it didn't make sense and it, it didn't get nothing of it. So I don't know if that's what he was working on at the time when the whole Disney thing came up and he just wasn't available. Well, he was doing Jungle Book. Jungle Book, I just looked at Jungle Book came out in 2016. And I feel like that movie, you probably worked on it for a long time. Probably. Was- that's kind of what got him in. Well, no, I mean, I guess 
Well, when he made Iron Man, the first one, that was like just as Disney was acquiring Marvel. So I don't know how much he worked really with or for Disney yet, right? Because Disney bought Marvel in 2009, I think it was. And Iron Man came out in 2008. So it might have been even been before that. So I think the Jungle Book was really like the first time he really worked with Disney. And then that mm. was successful. And then they gave him Lion King. Mm. And that was successful. And then they gave him The Mandalorian. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird... What if? What if? I haven't watched to... What If yet. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Sean. <laughs> so maybe he didn't want to do it. I mean, I, know, I remember at the time... People like Kevin Smith and other people who were publicly fans of Star Wars, who were instantly the people that the press was like, these guys were all very publicly like, dude, we're fans for a reason. We don't want to fuck this up. We don't want to go near it. Let someone else do it. Don't fucking do it. And I think JJ fit into the mix because I remember him saying specifically he was never a fan of Star Trek. <laughs> he wasn't a Star Trek guy. Yeah, he ended yeah, up doing it. Yeah, but he was a Star Wars guy. Yeah, and I yeah. wonder if they were like, well, this guy, he, well, he wasn't a Star Trek guy, but he went and did it, like, well, maybe that's what we need. You know, like, I don't know. Like, there were a lot of people very shy about it. I think I even heard a story that a bunch of people went into pitch for it because they were, like, told they had to but were like really purposely trying not to get the job because they didn't, it was just like, I I think actually, I think, I think what probably turned off a lot of the directors, especially the ones that are fans is the fact that Disney was like, Oh, the expanded universe, the book, which kind of gave star Wars life after, after the first set of, you know, after return of the Jedi, it was the, the the books had a huge following. Obviously, Admiral Thrawn, all of that. They're trying to bring him into live action, and I think they're talking about Benedict Cumberbatch playing him and whatever. And I think a lot of these guys didn't want to go in this. We're going completely new. We're going to steal all of these ideas from the books and pretend they're original ideas. You know, and I think these guys were like, "Why you, you already have the stories here? They're great. Why do we have to do this crap?" I think that's why a lot of those guys just like stayed away from it because they're like, eh, I don't know. Because from what I heard, the last thing I heard about it is that Kathleen Kennedy is out Mm. and I could be wrong. And that they gave basically Lucas and Filoni the keys to the kingdom. You mean Favreau and Filoni? No, Lucas and Filoni. Like Lucas is back. Really? Yeah, I heard that. I feel like I've heard rumblings of this, and I think we've talked about it before, but I don't know if they've said anything officially, right? I heard that because what I think what opened the door, from what I remember, and then have confirmed it, is I think after the shit show of uh, Ryan Johnson's film and the uproar, Mm. they, they went back and, like, the third movie is, like, lifted straight from the Spielberg spec script. I mean, no, Lucas... That he already penned like they were like oh let's go back towards lucas and it was he basically jj rewrote lucas's script for the third film so they were already like they already like knocked on his door and they were like oh we think we may have gone too far away from you like oh geez so i don't know all right so let's let's then do our first uh set of beers our first three beers give our reviews of it and then we can go on to our second set of beers um, I'll go first with Pentagram. This is awful. 
Uh, <laughs> there's really not much to talk about. Whoever likes these sour beers, I'm sure they'd enjoy them. This is so sour that my throat is like burnt right now. It's it's really like it's really like vinegary. It's it's it it doesn't taste like beer to me at all. Um, it's like bin juice. Kinda. It's <laughs> it's. I I I'm not a fan of it at all. I mean I I give this. I mean, it, it's half full. I haven't even finished it. I, I mean, if I can't finish a beer, how much do I give that? 0. 0.5? Mm. <laughs> I'm giving it a 0. 0.5 because, like I said, I, I can't even – I'm dumping it. Uh, did, you drink, did you drink at least half of the can? <laughs> no. Then I don't think it can be a 0. 0.5. Why? Because 0.5 is half. Oh, so you're saying I should grade it even worse, is what you're saying? Yeah, how much you drink? Like a quarter of the can? Give it a 0. Yeah. 0.25. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my brain works. I don't know. Okay. No, no, I'm giving it a 0. 0.5. This is literally the worst quote unquote beer I've ever tasted. Yeah, I mean it could get worse. Like you could drink that beer and then the second you sip it, like a midget comes out of the cupboard and cocks you in the nuts. <laughs> that would be worse. <laughs> I don't know how they'd manage it. <laughs> Why would that happen? <laughs> Wait, but is that? But if you're worse. grading, but if you're grading the beer based on how it tastes, not the you know, not the experience, whether or not you get punched in the nuts, how did it taste? <laughs> like shit. Like That's shit. why I'm giving it a zero point five. <laughs> no, not that. I'm saying in, in Sean's hypothetical one oh. where the guy jumps oh. out and punches you in the groin. I mean, it could make my tongue bleed. Like that would be worse. That that is that does sound. Worse. Oh, okay. In fact, I'll say this: the stir flavored beer that I had a few shows back, I will drink that happily over this. Happily, and I think I gave that a two nine. Yeah, I gave that a two nine. No, what's this? Something. Anyway. This is a point five. Who wants to go next? Uh, okay, yeah, mine was good actually. I drank it very quickly. Um, it was very easy to drink. It was like, even though they call it an oatmeal black ale, it tasted quite a lot like a like a brown ale, um, mm-hmm. more like smooth. an English kind of yeah, smooth, very nutty. Um, it was black, like I could see that it was like you know had a black coloring to it, kind of like a, a light sort of porter. Um, but it very nutty, very, it's like 5.5. So very drinkable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was, it was tasty as well. It's a nice taste. I could taste the oatmeal. Like, um, I think, I mean, not that it matters. I said with a moonlit grave and the whole Halloween thing, it didn't taste like, you know, spooky. <laughs> it, it, I, I'd call it more like, you know, Woodside cabin or something like it was like a relaxing, like, or like okay. Mr. Mr. Rogers Dick or something like something nice and calming <laughs> and nutty. <laughs> oh God! I love the fact that Mr. Rogers Dick is calming. <laughs> you happen to be holding like, like a sausage roll in your hand right now as you're telling us this. What the hell is happening? <laughs> 
Okay. Um, <laughs> so how, what do you what do you give it there? Uh, yeah, no, I give it a um, <laughs> I give it a a straight four point oh. Oh, nice. Okay. okay. All right. Andrew, how about uh, what is it? Uh, baby baby, ki baby kittens. Baby um, kittens. Which is a little strange now that I'm thinking of it. Hopefully, it's not like you're drinking baby kittens. Um, Make your tongue bleed. It, that definitely could. It definitely yeah. could. Um, but I'm just going to go with it. You know, that's the fat orange cat is the name of the brewery. So it's just a cute thing. And the can, look at that can. Look at those kittens. Look, it's, a nice, kittens. it's a nice can. It's a nice can. cute. That's cute. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was just like a very, I feel like I've said this a few times in recent podcasts, but a very middle of the road, good IPA. It tasted like when you're at a bar or restaurant and you're getting a burger or something and you want just a little beer to go with it. And you're like, you ask the waitress, you're like, you guys have any, what beers do you guys have? And she's like, ah, well, we have a Budweiser and, uh, and we got some IPA. And you're like, yeah, I'll take the IPA. <laughs> and then she brings it to you and you don't really even know what the hell it is. But you're like, yeah, this is actually a pretty good IPA. I wonder what it is. It tastes like that. Okay. Um, so all of that is to say, I give this a flat 4.0. Wow. Ooh. Has there ever been more disparity in a set of beers than 4.0, 4.0, and 0 0.5? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I mean, not to completely shit, when you were saying the can, Andrew, this is actually a really nice looking can. Yeah, if you like the design with the, with the, like I said, the Viking runes and the pentagram and the whole thing. If you're into witchcraft, maybe. Well, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, or heavy. <laughs> but so the can is really nice. What's it inside is, cool, is terrible. So there's that. All right. So let's uh, let's get our second one, and then continue our beer, beer, and more beer. Yeah. Okay. All right. So all right. So we got our second set of beers as part of our beer, beer, and more beer volume two. Um, I have this happy looking can with like little frogs on it. Well, they're not frogs. They're little hops with little frog legs. And this is called El Dorado Mosaic India Pale Ale. It's actually called Rinse Repeat El Dorado Mosaic India Pale Ale. It is a 7% ABV and 20 IBU um, New England IPA, much like your other one was mm -hmm. there, Andrew. Brewed and canned by West Brew, Westbrook Brewing Company from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. And I love the saying on the back here, it is shower tested and approved. <laughs> so apparently it's safe to drink this in the shower. Who, who's know. going next, Dick? Who's going next? Okay, I've uh, Impact Wrench from Industrial Arts Brewing Company. It is a hazy triple India pale ale with notes of dark and dense jungle. Ooh. 10% ABV. They're really good. They're from, they're from Queens, I think. Um, oh, I've yeah? had some of their beers before. It should be Queens, like either Astoria or Long Island City, um, oh. if I've got that right. I've, uh, I've had that beer. I've had the a few of their beers. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. They got good stuff. Uh, yep. It, say? it says, it says brewed and canned in Garnerville, New York. Garnerville, New York. Oh, 
I thought it was Queens. Maybe I'm going to mix. You know it what, uh, Andrew might be just like like Brooklyn Brewery, where yeah, they where they're Queens in Utica, and, but they're yeah, and they found just a cheaper place to do the manufacturing than New York City, which is smart. Okay, um, I have got a beer called Splash Palmberry from the Telea Beer Co., which is a Brooklyn brewery. It is right. Did I get that right? Yeah. Brewed by Talea Beer Co. Brooklyn, New York. Uh, it is a sour ale brewed with pomegranate and blueberry. I figured, you guys know me, I'm a fan of IPAs. And I, whenever we get to pick our own beers, I pretty much just pick IPAs. So I was like, you can't get just IPAs today. So I was like, I got the one IPA. And then I was like, I got to get something else that's not an IPA. So I went with the sour. I, w- I wanted variation too. That's why I got the sour because yeah, yeah. picked up was the IPA, and I didn't want. I was looking to see like they had some that are rated, you know, on, on the beer advocate rating or whatever. It was like a ninety-two. Like, oh, the I think the pentagram was rated ninety-seven. I don't know who the fuck is drinking that. They got rated ninety-seven. Um, like like Sean said, a bunch of alcoholics. That's who. Um, I didn't want to get a porter because it was just today was just like so hot. And I was like, yeah, get a porter. And of course, the bane of my existence, because I walked into the liquor store, Total Wine, Sean, you know it. Pumpkin, everything is out. And I'm just like, for fuck's sake. Now, they had some Oktoberfest and I still didn't feel right about getting an Oktoberfest. I'm like, I I wanted to at least be September before I get an Oktoberfest beer. Because what most people don't realize, Oktoberfest is called Oktoberfest because you're celebrating it at the end of September, at the end of harvest. Oh, like preparing for October. Correct. And so it's called Oktoberfest because like, oh, the harvest is over. We're pickling some, you know, sauerkraut and that's what, potatoes and that kind of stuff. So that's what we're doing. So anyway, so I didn't want to get like a porter yet because it was too hot and I didn't want to quite get the Oktoberfest, even though I love various Oktoberfests. So that's why I got the sour, and I was sorely disappointed in that. But I'm looking forward to my Eldorado Mosaic. So shall we open our cans and see what's going on? Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one. All right. Cheers, boys. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> Andrew's reaction was like my first beer reaction that is tart oh I can't I, I was just I just just getting the beer and I was dumping it in the sink and Andy my wife was there and I was like she was like the beer wasn't good I was like it's awful it tastes like vinegar and she's literally standing three feet away from me from the sink she was like it smells like vinegar <laughs> <laughs> oh it's just terrible anyway first impression i'm in love i i think this is going to be terribly skewed because i had such a horrible experience with the sour that i think this one will get like probably 0.5 points better than it really should because i'm completely jaded right now it's like when we drank blue moon during that fourth of july oh my god yes after having the coors light yes and we thought blue moon was so good yes absolutely (laughs) absolutely speaking of which like revisiting things and you pointed out the uh the spy spy uh thing on um in the text like the james bond uh yeah yeah expo 
And I'm thinking when No Time to Die comes out, we should probably or try and find someone to arrange it with and go over our list again and let the audience like come in on it. But you buy a ticket to come in and you get a Vesper Martini with your ticket and then you mm. see how you compare to our uh, uh, list we did. And Andrew can put in his input since he wasn't there for that countdown. And just James Bond it the whole way and just enjoy some martinis. Wait, who's who's buying tickets and getting martinis? Well, I was thinking if we could if we could <laughs> arrange if we could arrange with like a pub or something, uh -huh. and and just have people come when we do an episode where we're counting down all the James Bond movies, like we've put up the chart again, uh, and have people participate. If they want to participate, the ticket is whatever, twenty bucks, but you get a Vesper martini with it. That'd be cool. Mm. I like it. Yeah, like poured straight, poured straight from Tomo's thermos from home. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just I, I'll behind make the bar, making it look like it's fresh. <laughs> this is this was the problem. It was a little bit alarming, Andrew, and you you probably heard the podcast when we had the last one, which was the Vesper Martini. Now we didn't get it perfectly because it wanted like Lilith blank, and I couldn't find it anywhere, so I got like a white vermouth, like yes, yep. And, and at that point, this was our fourth martini as we were counting down the movies. Like, because so you guys ranked the Bond movies, right? Correct. Yeah, I remember. It, was across, it wasn't four martinis in an episode, it was across the four episodes. But when we had just like the, the last one, we were just like, oh, and Sean said, like, why would we drink anything else again? And I was just like, <laughs> this is like a cry for help. We need to go to like juice next because <laughs> it tasted so good. It was just like, oh, yeah. And then, of course, we made the, well, you know, if you're at a barbecue, <laughs> this is all they're serving. <laughs> and Sean wanted to know exactly whose fucking barbecue is serving just Vesper Martini. Jeffrey Epstein's barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you said, actually, yeah. too. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I'm much happier now with this, uh, with the Eldorado Mosaic IPA. Okay, so what's what's our next subject, then? What is our next subject? You said, we... you said you saw Suicide Squad, Sean, and what exactly did you think of it? Oh, yeah. Could... I, I really, yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was, um, I thought it was really fun. I, for me, I, for me, I think it's James Gunn's second best film because I, I was disappointed by Guardians 2. Um, and I mean, Guardians, the original Guardians, great, but I think this, um, had a little more freedom to it. Like Guardians 2 smacked a little of, hey, what you did there was so good, just do it again. But up the stakes a little bit, but basically just do it again. Mm. But you need, it needs to be bigger, but do the same. Right. And it's like, mm, and I feel like someone like James Gunn is like, it's a shame almost that he's trapped in a franchise like that because it's like, I feel like he's probably best to just do single films, like, you know. But I thought ironically, Squad, but he made he's making the uh, the the Peacekeeper series. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I I I liked Suicide Squad. I like we did. I the first one was unwatchable for me. I watched. Yeah. It was my version of your beer. Yeah, like, I, the first one was terrible. Terrible. Oh, yeah, it really was. We watched 
20 minutes of it and turned it off because I deemed the movie was over 20 minutes into it. And I was like, okay, that's it. Movie's it, over now. I watched it. It took me two or three sittings to get through the whole thing. And it was, like I said, it was just one incomprehensible series of shots to the next. Like there was no cohesion in the story. You didn't know why. You didn't know how. You didn't know who. All these elements kept it. It felt like <laughs> the first Suicide Squad movie, ironically enough, felt like our show where we came in on the middle 20 minutes and we don't oh, yeah. know what the fuck is going on because we're in the middle 20 minutes. We don't know how it started. We have no idea how it ended. That's what, what that movie felt like. I feel like that first movie was, was broken into three very distinct acts. And it felt like each act was following a different script and had a different director. Yes. And none of it connected together. Well, no, but... no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But the new one is good, yeah? But they don't, did they, and, and stop me if I'm getting into any spoiler territory because I haven't seen it. They don't, they don't really hardly even acknowledge the first one for this, do they? Or do they kind of? They, they like, sort of do. They sort of like have to, but it's not really like a meant to be like a direct sequel. No, no, not, because, yeah. because the storyline is basically, the storyline is a suicide squad. It's just whoever's on it. And it just gives them the freedom to kill whoever you want, and they don't come back, and that's that. It's there's the only connection to it is three characters. Sean, is it? Yeah, uh, right. So yeah, Joel, what's his name? Uh, Kinnaman, Joel Kinnaman, um, Harley Quinn, obviously. Harley Quinn, yeah. Um, and then they have what's Viola his name? Davis. And Viola Davis, but then Joy Courtney. Yeah, uh, yes, 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 yes. He's connected as well. Yeah, you're correct. Uh, someone else? Maybe not. I don't think anyone else. No. Um, this is new. Yeah. All yeah. Squad. It's Flag, who's in charge. Uh, Boomerang and Harley Quinn, like the and and Viola Davis being in charge of them. And, you know, as as Amanda Waller. And that's really the only connection to the first movie. Yeah. I mean, and it should have been, I mean, they were planning on Will Smith to come back and then he didn't. And then they, they rewrote it um, to have Idris Elba come in as, um, what's his name? Bloodsport instead of Deadshot. Um, Which I'm glad they did. Turned out good. Um, It it worked. Yeah. Like I said, the character work was really great. I really enjoyed all the characters um, in it. Um, I actually thought, uh, what's his name? Uh, David Dasmalchian as Polka Dot Man. He was fantastic. John Cena was great. And uh, like when I saw, I was like, I'm not surprised he's given him a TV show because the character just worked really well. Yeah, he was perfect. He was really perfect in it. I think he did a really good job. I think they all did a really good job. I they think all did great, yeah, yeah. I loved all their characters. Um, I, it was just a, it was a good crew. Like, I, it was very Guardians in that I'm like, okay, yeah, I the like chemistry. the chemistry yes. of this crew. Yes. And Idris, Idris Elba's good in everything. Yeah. Idris Elba has been in some questionable things, but he's never been bad. Right. 
now I say it, I can't actually even think of anything he's been in that's questionable. I'm just saying it because I feel like there has to have been something, but I don't think I've ever seen him in anything that wasn't good. But he wasn't uh, the the Dark Tower terrible. I was just oh, gonna I say that. that. Didn't see that. I didn't either, but I heard it was really. Didn't see it. Bad. But he, he, what, what I loved about this a lot is um, he gets to just swear his face off left, right, and center. And it feels so natural. Yes. And what I loved about this movie is they were, they were swear, it was R rated. It was R rated across the board and yeah. not in a, not in a Deadpool way where it was like winking, like, hey, look what we're doing in a superhero movie, we're swearing and we're being violent. It was done in a, no, this is like a exploitation movie. movie. Yeah, like, this yeah. is like Quentin this is Tarantino just art. a grungy, yeah, this is yeah. a grungy 90s action movie yeah. where the, the leads tell everyone to fuck off and they blow their faces off and there's no <laughs> winking. It's just like, that's what we're doing. That's who that's we are. <laughs> like, and it shocked me. I was like, wow, I'm not, because it was basically Guardians of the Galaxy R-rated. Which yeah. you thought Guardians when it came out, you're like, oh, this is pretty edgy for like the sort of thing compared to like a Fantastic Four or what they would usually do. But my God, like, yeah, I'd love to see an R-rated Guardians. I I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I I thought it was good. I thought it could have been better, and and I had some issues with some of the story that mm. in, in the way they pertain to some of the characters. I mean, we're obviously not going to go in it so we don't spoil it for Andrew. But uh, otherwise, I thought it was okay. I kind of wanted to see actually um, Jungle Cruise because oh. from like all the little snippets I saw, uh, Emily. First of all, I love Emily Blunt. She's fantastic. In I haven't seen her in anything where she's bad. Like I want to go back and see Sicario now because I saw like uh, one of the scenes the other day and I was like, oh man, I haven't. Yeah, I need to watch that again. That movie is so good. I I love the second one as well, which people didn't like as much. But she wasn't in the second one though. No, right? she wasn't. She wasn't. Yeah. But I heard just, the second one was really good. I I I actually almost slightly prefer the second one. It took a slightly different. It was almost darker, but it took a different, it, different kind of avenue. It was less of a political thing. It was more of just like a revenge movie, like. Like, oh, I love that. The second movie is all about Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to see that. That was I got to I got to rewatch the first one, and I need to see that second one. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, Emily Blunt and, and The Rock. It looked like they had genuine chemistry together, and it looked to me it looked like this was as close. And and I've said this before. We talked about this on the show. The perfect like adventure movie is. Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, you know, uh, Last Crusade. Those are like, there's, there's really like any, nothing better. The close second to those was the, the first and even the second Mummy. And like, apparently it was very heavily inspired by the Mummy. Like, I've not seen it yet, but even the fact that they've got, you know, British, Emily Blunt, American right. rock, and she's yeah. got a brother she's towing along with her, is this dorky brother in Jack Whitehall. Right, and apparently, the opening is her having like a comic kind of slapstick, like everything's falling apart moment in a library right at the beginning of it. Like, like, like the movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very so heavily I, leans towards it. So, I mean, I, I, I would really like to see that because it looked like it would be fun. Um, other than that, I mean. Shang-Chi is about to come out. Uh, the trailers for that look fantastic. 
I'm looking forward to that. Um, the early the early reactions are really good, and the early reviews are really good. They're saying that the the fight scenes and the fight choreography is like unbelievable. I'm sure the fight choreography is amazing, which is what you'd want, you know. But I mean, the early reactions, I don't really believe them because the early reactions for Captain Marvel were like, "Oh, what a fantastic movie!" And I was like, "This is shit. What is you know?" I've got a topic that okay. you made me think of that would be a fun topic to discuss. Let's the do it. return. The return of Brendan Fraser. Have you heard about this? This is pretty recent. Yes. Yeah. Brendan Fraser, they had announced quite a while ago, and I think we may have talked about it. I don't know if it was online or separately, but the three of us, I know we talked about it. A while ago, he's going to star in Darren Aronofsky's next movie, but it Go just ahead. came out maybe a week ago, and eh, probably two or three weeks ago now, honestly, that he's also going to be in uh martin scorsese's next movie what's it called flowers of the killer moon killer Killing I believe so yes yes with so. leo and um leo and robert De Niro, and yeah. i think jesse Clemens is in it and yeah, 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 a whole yeah. slew of people um but that's awesome i think that's great I, that he's coming back especially because i didn't know until i think earlier this year late last year a lot of why he like kind of disappeared disappeared yeah. is like a really sad story it was like yeah. he was like sexually assaulted by some man and then like threatened the person was like some powerful hollywood executive that like threatened him and basically was willing to like blacklist him and put out a bad yeah. word about him and then he fell into some sort of depression i think from that and like well there was that and, and also he he had um i remember that story supposedly he from he did a lot of his own stunts and he's a big guy like yeah oh he's, he's a tall dude like there's yeah. like when they got the rock to be in the second mummy he was too big for the rock like because like you know the rock stands next to you and me he looks like a freaking monster but next to brendan frazier it look, looks like just two dudes standing on the street because is brendan, he that big brendan he's like six four five something like that he's he's a big guy he's really big it's yeah. weird if you look at him i saw a clip of him actually it was like a viral clip or was on like Facebook, it was funny. Uh, Leslie Mann was on a chat show yes. talking about having a huge crush on him during she loved um, him. Yeah, she George absolutely of the Jungle. Loved him. And yes. then they brought him out as a surprise. <laughs> and he, A, he's like tubby and sort of like schlubby looking and like cutting between George of the Jungle now. It's like, wow. But he's so fucking big. It's so he's, weird yeah, yeah. to see this love break. And it's one thing to see him be like George of the Jungle big. But like, just sort of like a chubby, like a sort of a slubby dude coming at you, like that's a big fucking man. Big too, yeah. And yeah, he comes yeah. out and he like hugs her, and she's like down his belly button, and he's like, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, he's he's so big that like with the weight that he has on, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like knocking on three hundred. Well, what's the movie he's doing with Darren Darren Aronofsky? It's like the, the whale. whale or something, right? He's yeah. playing some like super huge dude, so. But he's lost. He has lost it though, because I just saw a yeah. picture today of um, him and a couple of other cast members from that movie were they were filming at like a museum somewhere down mm -hmm. south, and they uh, they took some time out to like walk around the museum, like as just while the public were there and people were taking selfies, and someone took a selfie with him, and he's lost that whale weight. Yeah, like, he, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, he yeah. looks good. So he's obviously was like, okay, Scorsese movie. I'm not just going to be fat yeah me, like, i'm gonna look good well what i was gonna say was one of the problems he fell into a funk was because um 
from doing the movies like The Mummy and George of the Jungle and, and all that. He uh, uh, what was it, Dudley Do-Right and all of those. He did a lot of his own stunts. And, you know, it's one of those things people are like, ah, yeah, so what? But it's like it's like the difference between falling down when you're like nine and falling down when you're 29. You know, when you're nine, you weigh like 50 pounds. And when you fall down, you don't have very far to go. And there's not a lot of weight to you. So you just kind of bounce up and you go about it now. Now you fall down the way you did when you were nine. You're like, oh, I should put some ice on that. You know, it's like so supposedly he injured his back a lot and he had to have a couple of back surgeries. Mm, yeah, now, yeah. You know, to reduce the swelling, there was a lot of steroids and there was complications for the steroids. And then he fell into a funk and then he got divorced. And it was like it was just like one bad thing after other. And then, like you said, uh, Andrew, like the guy was basically like grabbing his dick or something in a meeting and then was just like, well, fuck you. You're never working in Hollywood anymore. That kind of shit. Just, yeah, assholes, just assholes, you know. So good. So cool to see him coming back. Though. I Absolutely. Always, I mean, I think all of us like. I, I, you know, sort of forgot about him a little bit, but like always really liked him, especially like the mummy movies were a big he was part so of my childhood. His, he, he, like I said, there, nobody came as close to being Indiana Jones than he did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just the way that he presented the character. He was like this, like where, where uh, Harrison Ford had that great, I really don't want to do this, but there's no one else to do it. So I guess I'm going to do it. He yeah. had more of a like, I'm a badass, I'm gonna do it. But like when danger happens, like I'm running away. This is like ah, you know, so it was a little goofier, right? Yeah, yeah. But it worked I, great. I don't know if you've ever seen or played the Uncharted games, Tomo, or like it's hilarious to think that they're making the movies with Tom Holland is playing the title lead of this. But if you ever played the games, the mm-hmm. model that they based that guy on is one hundred percent Brendan Fraser in the mummy. Like um, he looks just like him. He has the hair. He has the white shirt with the thing across. Like he, look, it's a snapshot of that character, and they've now gone Tom Holland <laughs> and like Brendan. Fra- it's so weird to me because that that was very. They totally took that. So yeah, yeah. It is strange how they've changed that. Um, but I'm I'm very happy to see him coming back around because he. Yeah. And also like a nice, but uh, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. And he's only got one movie left in him apparently, but. Tarantino, I'd like to see him pop up in a Tarantino movie. That'd be good. He would totally do that too. Oh, for sure. That'd be awesome. He'd be great, man. And play and he should play like an asshole as well. Yeah. I'd like to see him as the lead in a Tarantino movie. Whatever the movie is. Tarantino with Brendan. I would love to see him play like Zed's older brother. And you and And you know what Tarantino's like. He looks at Scorsese, he looks at these people and he's like who are they working with? Who should I work with? Like, you know, he worked with DiCaprio off the back of DiCaprio working with Scorsese. Like, yeah. they, he idolizes him. So the fact that he's coming into it, he yeah. can't not be on his radar. You, I'd love to see like a Brennan Fraser, Christoph Waltz, you know, Adam Driver, Adam Driver, like, yeah, yeah some some good people in that because you're guaranteed that, especially if it is actually going to be his last movie. He's yeah. saying, and he keeps oh. doubling down that it is. You imagine he's going to be like pulling out all the stops. To I hope he he's teased that his last movie might be like Kill Bill Three. Ugh, yeah, I hope it isn't because it would just be as much as I'd like to see that. Movie, I'd love to I see Kill Bill see Three, it, but I'd it, like it to, seems like a cop out. But I think he might do it just because I've heard him say like the problem is is 
he has all these ideas to continue his existing stories, which is why he's now writing novels, you know. But the problem is, is he accidentally made Once Upon a Time in America at the wrong time. He was like, I should have saved that to the last movie. Like, yeah. I made it as my penultimate movie, and it was original, and damn, it hit every fucking bullet point. This should have been my last movie. Right. So there's the only way I could top it is by going bigger, is by going more original, and I don't want to ruin everything by trying it and failing. So it might just be better to just have my last movie be Kill Bill 3. No. Yeah, that's the thing, like like you were saying, like Kill Bill 3, I would love if he did Kill Bill 3 and to see that, but I don't want that to be the last Tarantino movie. If it's really going to be Especially because Bill is movie, dead. Well, yeah. yeah. But if it's really going to be his last Killed movie... Bill. It'd be called Kill Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's still going to... He said that he's still going to... His main, he, I heard him on loads of interviews. I listen to every interview. I must listen to about 10 hours of interviews with him that he did with all different podcasts. With the book tour just now? Yeah. yeah. And, he's, and he said, like, look, it's just movies. of directing my own movies. That's what I'm going to stop at. Like, I'm interested in TV. Like, uh, the way that things are going now with the, the, you know, the limited series that are out there. Yeah. I totally do that. Yeah. And books. I'm going to keep writing books. And moreover, my the bleeding heart of who I am is that I'm a writer. Like I'm a yes, writer, yes. and yes, I enjoy yes. writing. And I'm never going to stop writing. He's like, I'll stop making movies because it's a fucking pain in the ass. But I cannot physically stop writing, which right. is why I'm having to sign these book deals, right? Because like, they can't make movies fast enough for me for my writing. So like, right, I'm going to keep writing. So other people can direct my movies. Like, you know, people forget that you know, true romance, like. Yeah, you know um, these other movies like so I that's and you could almost argue that Tarantino's a better writer than he is a director. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like, so I'd be I interested mean, to see it. You could certainly say he's as good a writer as he's. Oh, I was going to well, say it, it's but, interesting but, because I mean, if the writing is good enough, do you really even need to direct? Can you well, imagine? But, like, but, but Tarantino is Scorsese uh, directing a Tarantino script, like. You know, he would think like, it's terrible because it's a comic book movie. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but Tarantino is an Oscar winner only as a writer. True. He's never won an Oscar for best director. He's yeah, won you for know what? Best I think screenplay. I think I think the reason for that is the same reason why like comedies were never chosen for best picture. Yeah. Because the Academy doesn't consider it serious. But, you know, when you talk to every, like, acting teacher and every big actor, it's like, what's the hardest thing you could do? Comedy. Mm. But, you know, and then the comedy comes around and, like, it makes, you know, whatever, two, three, four hundred million dollars, and, and the Oscars are like, yeah, no, that's shit. Like the Birdcage. Yeah. I didn't the Birdcage win more Oscars than it did. You know, it's like, that should have won a lot. That should have taken all of it, you know? Yeah. Like, no, it's a comedy. It just like, I mean, with, speaking of Scorsese, when him talking about, like, just about the Marvel movies. It's like, ah, yeah, whatever. And then he kept them backtracking and, oh, I don't know about that. And, and I'm just like, no, there are some good stories in there. You're just not interested in the subject. And he didn't watch them. That's the thing. He's, right. Like he said at the beginning of it, which started the whole thing was like, I've seen like one or two of them, but they're not for me. And it's like, dude, if you've seen one or two of them, yeah, one or two of them are pretty bad. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of really good ones out there. James Gunn was great. You, I'm sure you guys saw this. James Gunn pretty much came out and said, 
this is recent in like promotion for the suicide squad. He said more or less in a nice way that like Scorsese was just saying that because Irishman was coming out and that's the yeah. only way he'd get attention on him and on the Irishman. Yeah. And so he just kept doubling down on that and kept saying it because he kept getting him attention. Honestly, because I, I've watched The Irishman and I don't see the big deal about it. And I understand why he was trying to draw up interest in it because I. Well, and what started the whole thing, I think it was, if I've got this right, it was an interview in Empire Magazine and they asked him, you're using this de-aging technology, which basically the Marvel movies are the ones that mastered that technology. And they said, like, you're basically taking something that they've developed and they've learned and they've they've done a really good job with. And you're using it now in a different way to make this crime movie. Have you have you seen any of those movies? Are you a fan of those movies? And that's where he was like, nah, I've seen like one or two. But for me, they're not I don't really think they're that much. Blah, blah, blah. They're not cinema or whatever the hell he said. But it's funny that. You know, they were it was really just like a pretty basic organic question yeah, yeah, about yeah. it and the fact that. He was using what they literally what they perfected, like Disney perfected that de-aging thing. Like if you look back, like you said earlier, look back at X-Men Origins. Yeah. And, you know, it looked like trash then. And then look yeah. at what was it? Was it in Civil War when they had the young Robert Downey Jr. real quick? That was like the first time, one of the first times yeah. it looked really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Um it's, anyways, it's, I digress. It's He's not a, go ahead. I was going to say, Scorsese knows what he's talking about with films. Like, you, you forget, you don't, we're, like, we're in an age now that to be a director, you can be like an artist and then direct movies. Yeah. Like, it's not, you don't have to be a film buff to be a director. Anyone can be a director now. But he comes from this old school. Like, this dude lived to breathe movies. He was a lecturer at NYU for screenwriters and directors whilst he was making Mean Streets. Like, it, I listened recently, uh, Tarantino, his, he formed everything with him, the whole obsession with movies. And I listened to a podcast a little while ago. It was a British podcast. And it was specifically, and it was off the bat of a press thing, probably for the Irishman with Scorsese. And the British film critic mentioned like, you know what? I love that it. it made me think of this old movie from uh, the 90, late, uh, the early 60s, this um, Merchant Ivory British movie uh, that no one's ever heard of, blah, blah, blah. And Scorsese was like, yeah, exactly that. And he was like, I love those movies. No one wants to talk about those movies. We should talk about those movies. And then he went off the piste. And during the interview, he said that he then said, he turned off the PR guy. He was like, I'm going to talk to this guy about these movies. And they released a separate podcast. It was two hours fucking long of Martin Scorsese just talking about British movies of the 50s and 60s. And it was literally just him listing off things. And he was like, well, if you've seen that, you should definitely see this. And, and none of people have seen that. And it was like, I'm like, the, fuck? like, the guy is yeah. the biggest nerd. Yeah. Movies. yeah. Like, he is such a bad character. Sean, yeah. you should listen to Empire Magazine, Empire Podcast, film podcast. They did a few months back, a special with Tarantino and Edgar Wright, where they just did the same thing. And in that, Tarantino, I'm pretty sure mentions, they start, they one big section of it, they talk about British film. And, and Tarantino mentions that Marty is the one that like, Marty, like I know him, my buddy Marty. Martin Scorsese is the one that like, got him into that or something. They mentioned Martin Scorsese, I forget exactly, but it's gotta be a little bit of what you're talking about. Um, I think. I think it might have even been off the back of that 
Yeah, I think, I think it, was it was actually someone asked him a question. They said, like, oh, Tarantino recently, they did, and he mentioned it, and it, what's your take? And he was like, oh, well. And then just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, the, the Martin Scorsese thing was off the back of the it Tarantino and yeah, Agarette. Yeah, oh, okay. That. I was thinking it the other way around. But no, yeah, I maybe. think it might have been. And then might have said, like, oh, Tarantino mentioned that you, I was in the podcast, that you were a fan of the British movies. And, and he yeah. was like. Oh yeah, yeah, completely. How much time you got? <laughs> and it was a list, and they even with the podcast, they said like it's too many to list for the podcast because you can't list it. Because it got to a point where he just started listing movies, and they released like you could. They wrote it down in the description. It was like forty movies that he just listed. Of just like watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, and like in categories, like if you're in the mood for this, watch this. If you move for that, watch this. If you like this movie, watch this. And it was like, and it was just British movies of the fifties and sixties, like crazy, crazy. Yeah, you you know the whole thing. You know the whole story. Like in Goodfellas, basically the scene where uh, Ray Liotta takes his girlfriend um, through the back doors of the coke yeah, yeah. ends up in the front seat. You remember this, don't you, Andrew? We I, talked about it in uh, in class. We, yeah, we, yeah. we talked like uh, Laurel was telling us. It took two weeks to, and that whole scene is one take, like one shot. It's yeah, it's, it's a one. It's just like the whole two minutes is just one take, and it took him two weeks to get it, like to get the choreography of everybody like moving through the kitchen and setting the table and like the crowd reacting. And I was like, man. That's some freaking anal shit right there, boy. But hey, I mean, if someone's gonna pay you to do that, that's what you're doing. Hey, I'm. You know, if oh. someone's giving me money and they want something like, and this is how passionate I am about it, yeah, I want it right. Well, Which, 20, 25 years later, at a acting and filmmaking school in New York City, <laughs> what scene did they use as an example to say this is this is how you know this is what you do? Yeah, yeah. Have you have you guys watched the sorry side tangent, but you made me think we're about writer directors. Have you seen the new, the latest um, the last duel? I'm really excited about this. This is no. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. It's their I guess follow up to Good Will Hunting. They've written yeah. this movie. I've heard Scott this. Is directing it. Uh, Adam Driver is starring in it, um, and it sounds incredible. And the trailer looks great. Like, Wait, is there a trailer already? Yeah, yeah there's a trailer. Wait, who, ba- I'm sorry, who would you say is directing it? Uh, Ridley Scott. Yes, 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 that's right, that's right. I, yes. No, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Like, okay. off the back of I didn't know the there first, was a trailer yet, though. Yeah, first movie that they've written together since Good Boy Hunting. Since, yeah. Based on a book, so it's not going to be shit, you know, that right, they loved right, right. about the last sanctioned duel in France that was like in 17-something or other. Oh. And... Um, and Adam Driver is plays one of the leads. Oh yes, 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 yes! I saw this. And Matt Damon. Ben Affleck. Yeah. Uh, yes, Damon, that looks ben good. Affleck. Yeah. And what's really fascinating is they specifically they only they only they wrote fifty percent of the movie. As they were doing it, they realized that because in the book, half the perspective is from the wife or the wives of the men involved in the duel, uh-huh. and they realized they were like. We're in a different time now, blah, blah, blah. They only wrote the perspective of the male characters and and all the female character perspective in the movie is written by 
female screenwriter who they nice. brought in, who is That's apparently cool. amazing. She's like the best screenwriter in Hollywood. So it's 50 50. Like they wrote the men and she wrote the women. That's great. This guy's directing, and it sounds like, oh, it's so that sounds great. great. I, yeah. I heard um, really good things about Dune. Yeah. Like, like supposedly Josh Brolin saw the cut and said it was basically a cinematic masterpiece. And if the, you know, if the camera work is anything remotely like Blade Runner, oh. Villanueva did. Who, who's, who, who was the DP on that? Do we know? I'm going to look that up. Because okay. um, Blade Runner was uh, uh, um, Roger Deakins. And he's worked with with I bet it's Danny Villeneuve. Is it Deacons that did? It probably was for Dune. Let me look it up. Probably. I mean, he's like the greatest. Let's see. All cast and crew, cinematographer. No. Oh. It is a guy named Greg Fraser. Fuck Greg Fraser. <laughs> you Fuck might get he might be he might be Scottish. He might come and headbutt you right. To be fair, to be fair, I'm sure he's great. Like, because if if you're doing this based on like, like oh, he, Broadway, like you'll always say the best cast you're ever going to see is the replacement cast of the original cast. Right. In the same way that the understudy is always going to be better than the person cast because the pressure is so high to not fuck up after whoever you're taking over from that they go. They spent all their time to get someone who is like, right. So I'm sure he's good. So he was the cinematographer for Rogue One, oh. and and oh. Zero Dark Thirty. Oh no, yeah. It's so he's he's he's, he's, he's got it. Yeah, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, it's yeah, it looks fine. It looks fantastic, dude. It does. It does. I'm the, forward to that. Who was the DP on Sicario? That was great. That the first one was Roger Deakins. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, fucking. Yeah, it's Roger Deakins, man. <laughs> Between him and, like, Wally Fester, like... That, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we, we got really, like, movie It's super cinematic with it. I know. Also, have you seen The Green Knight? It looks really good as well. Yes, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see that soon too. You guys see that? Is it see out it? yet? Is it out yet? Well, it's in theaters. It is. Well, yeah, it's oh. been in theaters for a little while. I think it came out in what month are we in now? August. It must have come out in July. Oh. Then I'll right. Late mid July, early August. July 30th. It got released. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to see that soon. That and the Suicide Squad. I'm trying to see, and then. Couple others trying to get get back to the theater, see the films. I want to see the. Um, speaking of Matt Damon, that movie that he's in right now looks pretty good too. Stillwater. Yes, yes, so it that is. looks really good. I'd like to see that. I've not heard anything good. I've heard nothing but shit about that film. Really, really, yeah. I've heard it is a terrible film. Like oh, for some that. for people that love film, like I think for like you know Joe Schmo, I think it's fine, but. Everyone who seems to know about films has been like, it's just badly written. Really? Like, yeah. I heard it's just badly put together film. Like, who was saying that? Someone, damn, it was another podcast. And and someone said like, oh my God, that the film was like the, the worst written film I've seen in like, can't remember when, like it's just a mess. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's really, 
I mean, knowing, obviously we're not like we're industry insiders or anything, but you know the way these guys make these movies. And unless you're a big director, director name, the studios have last call on the edits. Um, what was it? Mm-hmm. I follow James Gunn on, on Instagram and somebody said like, are we going to see a director's cut of Suicide Squad? He was like, I oversaw every edit. That is the director's cut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it, you know, um, and and I've said the story about this before, again, that we heard in in class about the Studio 54 movie, how it was basically a homoerotic book. And that's what the movie was supposed to be. But Disney and all its wisdom decided, or whoever it was, to take out all the homoerotic bits. So, and then it was Weinstein, actually. Weinstein, yeah. And, and then they were just like, people were like, this movie doesn't make any fucking sense. And, and then the guy who like directed it finally got the rights to it and released the his version. And people were like, well, yeah, it's a good movie, but you know, it, it came. It was like 20 years later, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like 10 years later. It was just like, nobody cares anymore. It was like, who gives a shit? So we know how these how these movies are when you sign up for these things or, or these people sign up for these things because the script looks great. It's uh, what's his name? Peter Dinklage talked about that. He said, he said, talked about his good fortune of doing uh, Game of Thrones because, like, one of the things he always um, insisted on, he never wanted to do a project where he got to do a project just because he was like a little person, mm-hmm. like, was the character. Like, in, in, in Loki, if you remember, one of the guys working in the SVA, in the TVA, SVA, TVA, um, was a little person, like when they first check in, but they didn't, you know, nothing was made of it. He's just a person working there kind of thing. And Peter Dinklage always insisted on this. And then he was talking about the Game of Thrones. He says, what this affords me now, and probably for a long time coming is, he loves doing independent movies. He's like, it's one person wrote the script. Yeah. You know, somebody says, oh yeah, this is a good idea. And then it goes through 30 hands before it becomes the final script. And then you get some director doing his thing. And then the editor changes it out to however the studio wants it to be. And then by the time you're done, you're just like, what the hell happened? You know, mm-hmm. like what you as an actor are just like, this isn't what I, what this wasn't the script that I read. And, you know, sometimes people get, what's the famous one? I, they had a round table talk and Clooney was there, uh, Christopher Plummer, a bunch of guys. And they were talking about a director, and I forget his name. And Christopher Plummer said he would never work with them again. And he said, his scenes are like oil paintings. He said, they're absolutely gorgeous. And then Clooney brought up a movie that he was in, too. Adrian Brody was supposed to be the lead in this movie. And I forget the director's name. And it was a World War I or World War II movie. And when the premiere happened, Adrian Brody showed up. And he is on the red carpet. Mind you, he signed on as the lead. And reporters are like, oh, Adrian Brody, are you in this movie? And he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he was literally on the red carpet. Like, what are you talking about? He was like, I'm the lead. They're like, you are? No, it's, you know, <laughs> somebody else is the lead. He was like, what? And he didn't know that he was not the lead until he showed up for the premiere. Oh yeah, I, ju- I remember. That. I just looked it up. The Thin Red Line. Thin Red Terrence Line. Malick. Yes, Terrence, Terrence Malick. Malick. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Correct. And Christopher Plummer said he was never going to work with him again. Yeah, he said he because he, he, Terrence Malick films like hours and hours of footage, and he 
entirely. He was Adrian Brody was supposed to be the leader. They you just got him out. He was like, mm. yeah. He was just like, yeah. He ended up being like like thirty seconds on screen. Yeah. I get what I get what he meant though too about the would you say like oil paintings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what his movies are like. It's just like visually yeah, like, gorgeous and this and that, but it's like it's like just looking at a painting. So it doesn't make any he sense. He spends like ten seconds on like a blade of grass. Yeah. You'll be like a scene and then you'll just like focus on some grass and then you'll watch that for like a minute. Yeah. It, you know, there was a movie out recently, it was a Terrence Malick movie, his last one, and the trailer looked it was like a piece of art, the trailer. But I remember thinking, like, yeah, I bet the movie's not good. Was that, was that, was that with uh, Matthias Schoenhertz? Um, it was a European, it was like a Nazi, and it was a World War II thing about someone who was against the Nazis who ends up going to jail. It was shown for every independent or artsy movie it was the trailer for, for like right, right, right. six months. I saw it so many times. Um, I forgot what it was, but I remember thinking like, this looks so beautiful, but I'm sure it's the most boring piece of shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just all the, it was like Nazis. It was like sweeping vistas of cornfields and old ruined, like you know, farmhouses, and then like Nazi being like, and then like sort of more cornfields and cow. And, like, yeah, <laughs> and then popcorn. Oh my God, what's the allegory here? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice. Uh, all right. So are we ready to give our grades for um, now that we've covered a myriad of subjects? Um, well, we didn't talk about Joey Chestnut. Who the fuck is Joey Chestnut? <laughs> so for, okay, for anyone listening, when we were deciding what to do for the subject of this podcast, we, we broached the topic of doing another beer, beer and more beer and just talking about a, a myriad of things, right? And Tomo sent in our group chat, he sent, okay, I just looked on the trending topics on Twitter and here <laughs> they are. And he sent us a list and yep. in there was Joey Chestnut. That's right. Joey Chestnut is the guy who pretty much every year wins the um, Nathan's hot dog eating contest on the 4th of oh. July at Coney Island. And so I looked it up this morning. Okay. And I was like, why is Joey Chestnut trending? And I, I was looking it up to do my research in case we talked about it here. Did he impale himself on a hot dog? No, no. Um, some independent or some study or something came out that said that if you eat oh. a, every for every hot dog you eat, thirty that. minutes, <laughs> thirty minutes is like dropped off your life. Off your life, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so because of that, everyone on everyone <laughs> took to Twitter to be like, "Shit, if thirty minutes is kicked off your life, what's going to happen to Joey Chestnut?" I saw one thing. <laughs> I saw one thing that was like somebody reshared the article about like the, the scientific study and their caption was just like, rest in peace, Joey Chestnut. 19, they were like 1985 to 1662. <laughs> like, ah. Nice. Oh my God. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Oh, it's just oh my goodness yeah talk about you know how movie stars like to say oh like you, the the glamorous side of like hollywood it's not as glamorous when you look at the uh the trailers and the behind the scenes and the everything like it's not as glamorous as you see the biggest version of that has to be joey chestnut from <laughs> victory to then back at home that evening <laughs> like my god <laughs> having to live in the same house as a joey chestnut yeah my god oh. 
just his farts that night after he <laughs> God. That's how they ignite all the fireworks. No, God, you know what? I mean, you know, you know these guys that do the hot dog thing at night, their bedrooms smell like someone left a fucking <laughs> slice of bologna on the dashboard in the summer. I mean, that's what that fucking place smells like. Just all I'm not surprised. I mean, I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't be surprised with this country we live in if the world record holder for eating hot dogs, his tactic wasn't that immediately after the contest, he goes to have surgery to get all the hot dogs removed from his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't just die of hot dog intoxication. Well, I mean, they had that, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was a Japanese guy that used to come to all the eating competitions in the US. And he'd win for a while. He was like the he top. He dominated. Guy. He dominated and, until Joey Chestnut turned up on the scene, basically. Yeah, yeah. And he and the guy was like, he was a wisp of a guy too. He was, he was like, like 120 pounds. Yeah, yeah. He was like five five, a buck twenty, and they were like, how the fuck, you know? And they show him, and it's literally, I mean, it's hilarious. It's 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 you see like this guy, you know, eating hot, <laughs> and here's the American dude next to him, you know, <laughs> like what the hell. And they asked him how how could he possibly like eat more than like this three hundred pound guy next to him, and he was talking about like he has to get his like stomach really pliable. And in the week or two lead up to it, he drinks like eight gallons of water a day to stretch out his stomach. Ugh. Yeah, and I remember going like eight gallons of what? Jesus Christ! Like, do you just live on the toilet? What the hell? I'm just looking at Joey Chestnut's skin. He doesn't look healthy. No. Like he's, I don't know if you see it. He's got a very <laughs> pocked mark Sallow. face. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't look like a healthy man. His skin looks like the texture of a medium, well-cooked hot dog. Oh, what does that even mean? Oh. It's not like burnt to a crisp. Just it's like, cooked I pretty can, good. The idea, me... like, this is your life. Just, oh, oh. oh. God. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. No, he does not look healthy at all. <laughs> like, oh he's my the God. Sort of guy that I'd be like, oh, does oh he this, have- is, this one's the worst. This one. Oh, <laughs> this shot right here. Look at that. Oh, oh. Oh. He looks like he's vomiting. He looks like he vomited on himself already. Oh my God. Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut has a net worth of $2 million. Oh, it's not worth it, bro. It's you know not what? worth it. No, buy a house in the, in the New York City metro area. You'll have that net worth in no time. <laughs> like, his whole, his whole career and the $2 million is based on the fact that he's willing to do something that makes himself so physically sick and uncomfortable I... that he doesn't want to live while he's doing it. Like, just work in sales. You like, know that. Damn, you, if you're happy to take that much shit, like... Well, you but Sean, he might love million. it. He you might love it. it. You don't know. You're, you're just assuming that he's uncomfortable and doesn't like... Yeah, Sean, stop being a hater, Sean. <laughs> you fucking British. It. Drink you your crumpets and tea. Just, Fuck out of here. Wanna, just because you don't want to engulf 70 hot dogs in 30 seconds doesn't mean that other people don't enjoy it. This makes America great, Sean, because you can do what you want here. 
<laughs> you want to eat a thousand hot dogs in two minutes? Oh my God. And let me tell you something. I love eating. I enjoy food a lot. If I'm starving, I'll have four hot dogs at a barbecue and I'm done. In fact, I remember one time as a kid, as a teenager, like hot dogs was like my go-to. If there was like no food in the house, like my parents always picked up like a pack of hot dogs and they always got like high quality hot dogs, borsen, whatever. And I was good with that. And I remember one time I ate hot dogs and I got sick off of them and I puked hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. And... I, I like I literally like left it. It looked like somebody ground up a giant bologna and freaking left it in the toilet. I was puking so much hot dog and I was so disgusted by hot dogs. I did not eat another hot dog for probably 15 years. Like just didn't touch them. Whereas like if you gave me a hot dog for every meal during a day, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, a hot dog. Just give me some mustard. I'm good to go. I, and, but it, they disgusted me so much. So the thought of having all these hot dogs just crammed <laughs> down your throat by I, – I can't even imagine the atmosphere of one of these eating things because everybody's grunting like a fucking horny pig rooting for <gasps> – t- Yeah. <laughs> like, because your mouth is full of fucking little dicks. You cannot get any air in. So, like, if you puke anything up, if you burp with a hitchhiker, it goes right out your nose. It's awful. I can't. I just. There's, there, there's, there's got to be a great movie. A good, maybe we should make a movie. A great independent movie about the second best competitive <laughs> hot dog eater. <laughs> we should make, like, The Wrestler. Like, The Wrestler with. Um, yeah. uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. But it's the, but he it's yeah, like the wrestler with it. Mickey Rourke, but it's, it's a hot dog eating guy. <laughs> but, but the daughter, but the daughter is so ashamed she's a stripper now. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just the guy's like, I'm the best competitive hot dog eater in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the like movie, the end of the movie, it ends ambiguously where you're not quite sure, but you're pretty sure he's gonna die from doing what he loves. <laughs> Eating hot dogs. Oh, better yet. Better yet. Eating all that hot dogs opens up a time portal to the past because he's losing all these years. <laughs> what was it? 35, oh years per, 35 minutes for hot dog or something like that? What was it? <laughs> he just turns into Benjamin Button and backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the worst. That's just the worst. All right. Let, let's let's give our, let's give our take on these beers now that we've uh, let the people have such an appetizing image in their head. Um, Sean, Impact Wrench, ten percent. How you doing, my friend? What are you thinking? Uh, nice beer. I uh, I mean, it's a, it's your standard IPA. Like I'm, I feel like I'm slightly losing my ability to judge IPAs at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're just so once upon a time there were people that did IPAs well and then people that didn't. Right. But but now I like No, it's true, it's true. But but now it's like they, they all taste out. the same. Yeah. They, they got the recipe. Yeah. And now there's just like a couple that yeah. are better. Yeah. And everyone else is just good. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, and it's just a game of A B V now, like so this is 10%, which is a lot for a beer. And um, 
didn't taste necessarily like what I think 10% should have tasted like with a beer. Um, you know, but I'm definitely feeling it. I've only had one of these and the other one was not, not much at all. And I'm already like there. Like, yeah, yeah, ready to go to bed. I wouldn't, yeah, like I wouldn't, I can drive right now. But if I, if I went to a barbecue and just had like one of these, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm good. good. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it seems it's so pedestrian to talk about what it tasted like or anything. It tastes like a fucking IPA. Yeah. Like, you know, did the same thing everything does. And Andrew's got a much more refined palate for IPAs than I think either of us we do. do. Be- yeah, because correct. No, I think me- I'm in the same spot as you guys where, like, they all are starting to taste the same. That's why with mine earlier, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But it's good. But it's yeah. fine. I mean, it's, it's a so good bad. beer, you know. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, when I grew up, the equivalent of this was lager. Or, you know, you made lager. All lagers right. vaguely tasted the same. You drank a lager. Like, that's right. in England t- to this day. That's the same thing. It's like, drink a lager. Yeah. Um, so, whatever. So, I mean, I think it's fine. I mean, it's it tasty, good. It's very hard to know how to judge it. Um, I guess 3.5, because I just don't know. It seems unfair. If, you know, two years ago, I'd probably have given it a 4.5. Maybe. Well, I mean, well, that, we've talked about this so many times. It's at this point, you know, we're on episode ninety-six. We've had probably close to a hundred beers. You know. Oh my god! I hope my doctor isn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> we've had probably close to a hundred different beers o- over the 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 what five years we've been doing the show. It, it, it's very different, and I'm sure if we went back and tasted a lot of these beers again, we'd be like, okay, it's not that good a beer. Do you, yeah, just, just to stop you for a second, it's probably a three point nine or something like that. Do you realize how many beers that is in in context to the normal American? Like when I try and explain to people how many beers I've had, when like someone try someone gets an inkling that maybe I'm a bit of a snob of beers, like we're at a barbecue and I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, and they're like, oh, what sort of thing do you? Or I went around my friend's house the other day. A friend of mine, I like him. He's great. He he enjoys beer, but he's yeah. not like we are right and he said to me he wanted to go out and buy some beer because you know i was coming around and i enjoy beer and he's like tell me sean what beer do you enjoy yeah. and i'm like dude that's like asking martin scorsese what film do you enjoy like right. what i i mean I'll, any like whatever and i felt like trying to explain to him like i drunk so many different beers <laughs> like most people in this country drink one beer yeah and, and have drinking drunk the the vast majority have drunk less than ten types of beer. I'm yeah. sure, yeah. which is crazy yeah. to think about. I think we have a problem. <laughs> well, no, I mean my my old work buddy, the goat Brian, he keeps on tagging me on Untapped. <clears throat> he like tries a different beer like every other day. Oh, okay. And but he he always loved beer. Like I said, we've we've always been like, oh, let's try this beer. In fact. We used to, when we worked together, we used to do a UFC night. And this was back when UFC used to come on once every quarter, as opposed to three times a month, you know? So we would get together once every three months at somebody's house. And the rule was, you're supposed to bring a a beer that neither you, that you have never had. Because it was too difficult to judge if everybody that's coming today, if they've ever had the beer before. So as long as it's a beer new to you, you bring it over. And then we'd all like try the different beers and that's what we used to do. And that was kind of the thing. 
But like you said, the most other people are like, ah, just get a fucking 18 pack of Miller Light. It's like, uh, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want that garbage. But yeah. All right. So 3.5. That's a, that's a very nice beer. Um, Andrew, you want to go in the sour? It looks like you fit. You actually finished the sour. Yes, I did. I did indeed. Okay. I think I had a much better experience than you did with you did with your sour. Yeah. Um, but you can tell by my speech right now that I've had two of these, and maybe I was drinking before we started recording. I don't know. Um, I actually, I actually really enjoyed this. Um, my first okay. sip of it. The first sip of it, I you saw my face. It was like yes. overwhelmed with the sour and the tart and everything else. But coming off of that IPA, it was so different. Once I got into it and started drinking it, I really liked it. I'm okay. I'm not I'm not anti sours, uh, but I'm also not like I wouldn't go out of my way for them. But anytime sure. I have them, I I kind of tend to enjoy them just because they're different. Um, the thing with me with sours, and I feel like we've talked about this before too. It doesn't really taste like beer, right? Like, it doesn't right. quite taste like a beer. No. It tastes like some sort of sour, alcoholic, bubbly beverage. It doesn't Correct. taste like a fucking White Claw or something like that, but it doesn't quite taste like beer. And this sort of fell into that. But once I kind of got used to it, it was refreshing. I liked the bitter kind of tart flavor to it because I like that. It wasn't sweet really at all. And I'm not a huge sweet fan. Um, so like the, the pomegranate and the blueberry had like a real, real kind of spicy tart to it. Okay. Um, I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. Again, okay. I would, would I go out of my way for it? No. Would I go out of my way for any sour? Probably not. Right. Um, but with that in mind, I'll give it right, right there as a, a solid, good, clear rating. Nothing crazy, nothing amazing, but nothing bad. I'll give it a, a 3.0. Okay, so so the yardstick uh, uh, being at a barbecue, you happy with that uh, all day? I get by if that's all they had. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't love it. I'd be like, I'd be like, like how like, many would how many would you have? Would you have three or would you have two? Am I driving? Eight. As long as I'm not driving, not driving no, I, you're not driving. I'll definitely have three then. It's good enough to keep drinking it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Westbrook, rinse and repeat El Dorado Mosaic India Pale Ale uh, by Westbrook Brewing from uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. This, again, <laughs> like you guys both said, the IPAs at this point, unless they're really that extra step above, and I can only think of well, two come to mind in the last year and a half that we've done, right? There's been the Bengali IPA, and then, of course, the Broken Skull IPA. Like, those two, like, really just, like, pop mm -hmm. in the collection about, like, whoa, these are nice IPAs. Like, I, I, I'd be happy if somebody said, like, this is the only, you can only pick one beer left. And it's, you know, one of these. I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm good with that. Um, that being said, this is a very nice IPA. Um, it's got a really good balance of citrus and hops. And sometimes they, 
this almost not not really almost this looks like it's leading in the direction of broken skull where it's got that almost like juiciness you know how broken skull is almost like how is it juicy but it still tastes hoppy and it's like very much an ipa you can't confuse it for anything else this one kind of heads in that direction doesn't quite accomplish it, accomplish it nearly as well as broken skull does but i thoroughly enjoyed it and like i said i'm skewed because that sour was just it really was i would probably pour it over my like barbecue to like baste it with like that's what i'm using that other beer for i'm not like i'm not even offering that beer to anybody that comes over to the house I'll let you guys want to try it you should offer it to the the tortoises to see what they do i'll be curious they'd be pro they'd probably drink it and actually i don't know the tortoises can get picky they don't like kale oh. and i grow kale in my garden and they don't like kale so they, they definitely have their own taste um but i'll give this again with the yardstick being if i'm on a barbecue all day and this is all they have i'm perfectly happy with that it's uh, um seven percent it doesn't drink like a seven percent it it drinks like a five uh it's it's really smooth it's got nice carbonation it's got a nice citrusy taste it's not very bitter at all i i give this a three five i think it's 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 a solid uh it's a solid ipa nice. yeah all right nice. any other topics do we have any fuck that guy uh issues to bring up before we log off with the people Ooh. i yelled well, one earlier what did I say it to? Does anyone? I, I, I think it was like Scorsese. You were telling fuck Scorsese. I've I have a couple of fuck that guys actually, couple. and they're both uh -oh. they're, they're crossover events because they they're very much part of the same cinematic universe. Um, okay. So during the lunch hour of my working week, my Monday okay. to Friday. Um, okay. I go to the gym. In the building that I work, there is a gym that's free to go to for people that work there. So I go there. And um, and usually, the time I go to the gym, which is lunchtime, it's, the, it's free. I'm the only one there. Everyone goes in the morning or they go After work. at the end of the day. I'm the only one that spends their lunchtime in the gym. And I, I like it. I put podcasts on. I listen to them out loud. Because I don't like having earphones in when I'm working out because it just, I don't know, it feels weird. So I do that. I enjoy it. But uh, there's two, there's, there, well, three instances, in fact, but the third I'm not including. But there, there was someone, both of the culprits turned up today when I'm expecting to be on my own. The first culprit, who's the first time I've ever seen this gentleman, this dude comes in. He's actually walking past me as I'm going towards the door and he's like... Oh, I don't have my key card. Perhaps this gentleman here might be good enough to help me get in. Do you have a key card? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And he's like, oh, you go to the gym? I'm going to the gym. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this guy? We go in. Uh -oh. This guy is a multiverse version of myself. He's wearing glasses. He's uh -huh. balding. Uh -huh. But he's like skinny and a little smaller than I am. Okay. Um, Did you wake up in a locker with your pants around your ankles? No, no, I didn't. He was wearing like board shorts, like tie-dye board shorts, like a shirt. And he was like, I usually do my cardio in the morning, but I missed it, so I'm doing it now. He spent, he or he, he was on the um, elliptical. That's all he did. He was on the elliptical for like 
30 minutes solid on the elliptical, blah, 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 blah. And he listened to music on his phone out loud oh. while it was me and him in the small gym and he sang along oh. to the music. Oh. And it was and the music he was listening to, it wasn't like Eye of the Tiger. He was listening to what I've now dubbed, but based off of this one time, Dork Rock. He was listening to Evanescence, followed by Linkin Park, followed by Smashing Pumpkins. He and I was like Sounds like a great summer tour. What are you talking about? <laughs> but he was so Evanescence one thing, but he really came into himself in Linkin Park. Oh this dude, god. Listen, he had the respect in his heart to not sing over Chester. But he had the fucking raps down. Sean, <laughs> this is this is karma for when Tomo tells his story about being at the Broadway show <laughs> yes, and the guy yes, singing next yes, to him. That's and, you, right. and you said it was such a beautiful and a wonderful thing. And you were like, for me, as someone who acts on the stage, I would, it would warm my heart to know that man in the audience is singing along. And this is, here's a fucking idiot singing along, just like what Tomo had, only he was in your face this time. That's right. Karma. Thank you, there Andrew. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. So 1,000% so correct. I am the only other person in the audience. <laughs> it's yeah. not different, because that dude was leaning into my ear and singing to me. So Andrew, 1,000% oh. right. This is karma coming back that, to you, buddy. That man spent like $100 and the tickets he found to Milk Prep. This man got in there for free because I tagged him in <laughs> and he's singing along and he's singing the raps and he's singing the response harmonies to Chester's singing. Oh. Like, a rapper in Linkin Park who sits in the back when he's not rapping does like a response <laughs> and he was singing that stuff. He was like, woo, woo, woo. he was singing that along. And that was one guy, fine, that guy, it was awful, but he was gone. And the other guy, which I'd seen before, is this, and I feel so, I do feel sorry for him. I walked in on him about a week ago, uh -oh. and he is a younger guy, looks about 1920, uh -huh. chubby, oh, uh, very sorry. awkward looking. And he was in the gym on the, um, on the uh, leg extension machine. This is and, all sounding very homoerotic at the moment. And he was wearing his full work outfit, like slacks, button-down, button-down t-shirt, slacks, dress shoes. And he was just sitting there doing the leg extension on like the lowest weight, like zero weight. Like just going beep 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 <laughs> <laughs> just on the leg extensions. <laughs> and and I walked in ready. I had my water bottle. I had my, my, my fucking program. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And I see this guy and he's just like, beep, beep, beep. And he looks at me like. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, what's happening here? What is happening? And uh, he, and then, and then he was just doing that while I was like warming up for my like set. I was just doing some warm up. I'm, like, oh, I'm warming up and then I'm going to do my light weights and stuff. And I watched him the whole time doing that. And at some point he disappeared and ran out. And I saw him today. He came in as I as I was leaving, and I was like sweating, and I looked like a fucking gym dickhead because I was like, uh, uh. and I walked out, and as he was coming in, and he was wearing his button down his slacks, and he's buzzed in, and he saw me, and like looked to the floor, and I walked past him, and 
And I, I wasn't touching him, but I was close because the, the corridor was small. And he, he actively walked past me, looked at me and went... <laughs> literally went like that as I walked past him because he was going off to do his thing. And I watched him. He walked straight in. Well, he walked in the gym in his work clothes and then just walked straight into just the equipment with his work clothes and was going to yeah. do his thing. Who the... I mean... I think I'm bad, but who has to sit next to this fucking guy? Like, what? Who? I think I think you encountered a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, like I, I, you know what? It's gonna be it's gonna be about a couple of months from now. Welcome to what's going on here with me, Tumble Over and Andrew Albagees. Sean Quigley, unfortunately, was killed by a serial killer in Rutherford, New Jersey. <laughs> and he, he ran off at a world record speed because of his leg curl exercises. Just <laughs> 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 like... Well, wait till they find out you have a podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. All right. All right. Oh, fuck those guys? Fuck yeah, those fuck guys. Those yeah, guys. fuck those guys. Including the guy in Radio City, what you would call it, uh, Phantom at the Opera. Fuck those guys. Okay, folks. <laughs> so that's our uh, Beer, Beer, and More Beer Volume 2 episode, episode 96. We had six beers during this show. Uh, Sean had the Moonlit Grave, which is an oatmeal black ale by the Three Threes. 5.5% ABV, no, nothing on the IBUs, and Impact Wrench by Industrial Arts Brewing, 10% uh, ABV, nothing on the IBUs. That was an IPA, correct, Sean? Yes. Okay. Uh, Imperial, I guess, or double or whatever it is. Triple. Triple, sorry. Uh, Andrew, you had uh, Baby Kittens by Fat Orange Cat, 6.5% uh, ABV, uh, and Splash Palmberry, correct? The Sour? That's it. Uh, who made that one again? It is Talea, T-A-L-E-A, Beer Co. Okay. And so Sean's grades were 4.0 and 3.5 for the Moonlit Grave and the Impact Wrench, respectively. Andrew's was uh, 4.0 and 3.0 for the Baby Kittens and Splash Palmberry. And I had the Pentagram... Sour by Surly Brewing Company, which I gave a 0.5 to. That was a, 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 I don't even remember what the ABV was. I'll have to look that up. And um, Rinse and Repeat Eldorado Mosaic uh, by Westbrook Brewing Company with 7% ABVs and 20 IBUs. And I gave that one a 3.5. So there you go, folks. Six beers to try or avoid. Uh, if you're going for pentagram, unless sours are your thing. If sour, if you really like a sour drink, then I recommend the pentagram to you. If you like a sour drink, you like wearing slacks to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. All right. On that note, folks, we had the fuck those guys and we touched on Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow and Suicide Squad and Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and Joey Chestnut uh, <laughs> popped up in this show. What more could you want? What more could you want? And six beers on top of that. Thanks for tuning in, as always, folks. And um, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye now. Bye. All right.